106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, America. <laughs> America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. And uh, we're sitting to one of the WHO investigators who'd been to Wuhan to investigate how the virus started and they were prevented from seeing key details and, and from speaking to key people. Why do you think the Chinese government did that? You know, um, I don't want to create any or, or, or mention any, any disparaging remarks about that, but the Chinese are very closed uh, in a way of being very reluctant particularly when you have a disease that evolves in their country, they become extremely secretive, even though there's no reason to be secretive. I think they were very concerned and maybe embarrassed that the virus evolved from their country, but there's nothing wrong with that. So when they see something evolving in their own country, they tend to have a natural reflex of not necessarily covering things up, but not being very open and transparent. It is utter chaos in New York City today. Not that it hasn't been chaotic, but today 10 people have been shot on the subway by an unidentified shooter uh, in Sunset Park in Brooklyn. The shooter is still on the loose. They can't find him. The, it happened at 840 this morning. The number is rising. It started at five people being shot. Then it rose to 10 and it's just getting higher. It's a bloodbath down there. And we have a shooter on the loose in New York City. The gun violence in New York is insane. 115 shootings in March alone. A 13-year-old was shot dead while eating in his car. A three-year-old was shot with a bullet to the shoulder. When is it going to stop? Actionless Adams, when is it going to stop? You're so concerned about vegan lunches and masking our children under five years old and firing city employees who aren't vaccinated. Meanwhile, you're home with COVID and you're fully vaccinated and boosted. Amazing, right? You're doing nothing. You can't take the subway anymore here. You can't take the bus. You can't walk to the deli. People are terrified to leave their homes. But your priorities are so messed up. You are like the Gowanus. You're like the construction on the Gowanus. You know, the, the Gowanus has been under construction for 30 years and nothing has been done. It's gotten worse, actually. So that's what you're like. You talk and you talk and you talk and you have a plan and things just get worse. And you just bitch and moan about stupidity. Pay attention. You're worried about the well-being of New Yorkers. Worry about the gun violence on the streets, about the rise in homelessness, the crime. Worry about that. Save us. Somebody save us because this man is doing absolutely nothing. I've got the 12 o'clock appointment to get vaccinated. Welcome. Please sit down. I heard the vaccine has a chip in it. No, there aren't any chips in it. What are you talking about? I want the chip. Come on, give it to me, damn it. Ah, a Moderna man. Yes, I'll take the Moderna. Come on. If chips are what you want. Chips are what you'll get. I've stuck myself with so many steroids, I won't defeat the thing. Here you go, Arnold. Warning. 
There might be some side effects. Put it in and not worried about side effects. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's happening? Yeah. I feel fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Good evening, this is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio, and this is our 159th episode, and scheduled to play on April 16th, the day after tax day, April 16th, 2022, just to get it dialed in really tight, and uh, this if uh, this show will go on for... Uh, my, my part is uh, six 20-minute segments, and it should last uh, with all the clips about two and a half hours. So listen to a little of it or a lot of it or all of it, whatever your pleasure, or skip around. Uh, of course, this, this is coming from your, your podcast source if you found us there, or you may have got to us over at our website at nohostagesradio.com. You can get all our, our all our episodes there, as well as some articles I've written over the years. We also do a live show on uh, each Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Left Coast time. <clears throat> We're in Northern California, and that's on KMYC 14:10 a.m. But a lot of you that listen to the podcast don't listen from close by, so the one way you could listen if you're interested is. Go to a, uh, a website that delivers some live streaming for a variety of uh, media. And it's called live365.com. Again, live365, the numbers, .com. Click on radio. Put in the, the call letters KM, like in Marysville, YC, like in Yuba City, KMYC. And you will get whatever's playing on the radio at that time. Again, my, I'm 10 to 1 on Saturday. And this show appears on every Saturday as well. So uh, you can take your pick or do both at, uh, because this is recorded and you can listen most times. Uh, you can reach me at 530-713-1838. That's 530-713-1838. You can text me there, call me there. Happy to talk to you, happy to get your input. Uh, if you want to send me clips or ideas or articles, welcome it big time. Also, you can uh, send me an email at lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. Very easy, lou at nohostagesradio.com. I do respond to those. I do look at them. I have uh, other email addresses that I use uh, more uh, readily throughout the week and every day, but I do check this regularly, Lou at NoHostagesRadio.com, to see uh, what people are saying or want to say about the the radio show or the podcast, whatever you want to call it. So uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we we don't take your uh, your interest lightly, and we we work hard at this. So I have a number of people I'll mention um, throughout the the broadcast 
or the podcast that help me with this show, and uh, I'm really honoring them. This is an effort of a group of people that want to state uh, a particular group or myriad of values that we think are important that are connected to the founding fathers and the patriots of this country. So uh, that's why we're all working together on this, and I'll mention them and give them uh, credit. They're all business people in the area. So uh, let's see. I think that's all I want to tell you. Um, you'll you'll hear for those that are local. You'll hear a clip on the Creative Light Theater that's starting uh, tomorrow night, Sunday night. I think it runs through. Um, Let's see, 14, 15, 16, yes. I think it starts Sunday night and runs through Wednesday, something like that. But it sells it correctly on the ad. I really encourage you, if you're in the Northern California area and you can drive over to see that, it's a great show at 7 p.m. nightly. And uh, great music, great creativity, uh, great set, uh, great artists. So uh, you'll enjoy it. It's family-friendly, and uh, you'll in, you'll have a good time. It's free. And so come on out to Church of Glad Tidings. That's Highway 9999 and Eager Road, 1179 Eager to be specific. Lots of lots of parking, lots of seats. You don't have to you don't even have to t have a ticket to reserve a seat. There'll be plenty of seats and uh, for any night you want to come. OK, so I wanted to mention there I saw a picture of a couple uh, cows uh, that was posted Uh a cow and her calf and standing in the snow. And it says when Bill Gates takes his private jet from Seattle to New York and back, he burns enough fuel to supply one cattle operation. In other words, not just a cow, but a cattle operation for six months. I'll just say that again. Uh, this is a fraud that's being per perpetrated on us. COVID fraud, climate change fraud. It's all baloney and so let me just say it again when bill gates microsoft bill gates takes his private jet from seattle to new york and back he burns enough fuel to supply one cattle operation for six months in that same time frame six months this person says we produce enough beef for 800 americans for the entire year i want you to think about that in the time it takes to produce enough beef for 800 Americans for the entire year, that's one round trip for Bill Gates. And the lady or the guy who writes this says, hey, elites, cows are not the problem. I have another uh, meme of... Uh, Another guy that's of the same mentality as Bill Gates, and it's, he's a guy named Michael Bloomberg. Very successful. These are very successful people, and I, I co uh, congratulate them on their, their brilliance, their, their timeliness, their creativity. I have no problem with people that are uh, very, very wealthy. Good for them. So Michael Bloomfield, Bloomberg, I was going to say Bloomfield, uh, because there's the other, uh, there was a Michael Bloomfield who's a famous blues guitarist that actually I liked more than Michael Bloomberg. But Michael Bloomberg has six planes, three helicopters, 11 houses, and 42 cars. 
He's the one who wanted to take uh, away your supersized drinks, your fountain drinks in New York. He's the one that wanted to remove salt from the tables. He wanted to control how you ate, what you ate. He wanted to control how you traveled. And I don't know whether you realize this, when he was mayor, I think he did two terms as mayor of New York, he uh, traveled each weekend to, I believe, Bermuda, where he had houses there. And so he didn't, you know, he just hung out to New York to uh, do business. But he spent all his weekends away, and he didn't take a car. He, he flew his jets there. So Michael Bloomberg has six planes, three helicopters, 11 houses, and 42 cars. He thinks you should use public transportation for you to save the environment. Now, this is the kind of hypocrisy and duplicity and nonsense that were that's propagated in the media because these people buy the media. They own the media. Uh, another another fascinating thing. There's, uh, you know this. You know when you drive down the highway and you see the earth moving equipment, and they have the big bottoms that they have a scraper and they scrape and pull up the dirt and then they lay it back down somewhere else. Or I call them scrapers. So those are pretty big, right? The tires are pretty big. Well, the the huge replicas made by caterpillar they call them cats i'm sure other other companies make them as well there's a picture of it here i have that where the man standing next to the tire that the actual tire the top of the tire is like four or three or four men tall if you stood them on each other's shoulders and this man you know how where you had the the tire the the rubber tire and then in the center you have the wheel well this man uh, doesn't even go up to halfway up the wheel well on this this thing. This this the top of this cat, this uh, this uh, has a front end scoop on it, is probably three to- stories tall. And I'm going to read this to you that should get your attention. It says this is a cat 994H. It burns 1,800 gallons of fuel. Think about that. 1,800. Have you ever seen a 2,000-gallon water tank? This burns 1,800 gallons of fuel in a 12-hour shift. This machine is required to move 500,000 pounds of earth in order to get the minerals needed for one single Tesla car battery. Now, you're thinking, we're going to save the world. We're going to save the earth by going Tesla, by going car batteries. It takes this machine burning 1,800 gallons of fuel, right? Do you think that has a carbon footprint, supposedly? This machine's required to move 500,000 pounds of earth in order to get the minerals for one single Tesla car battery. There's no way that a Tesla or any kind of green car has less of a fossil footprint or carbon footprint than a regular fossil fuel car. There's just no way. And I don't know whether you've ever seen the mile, the, the mines to get the minerals where they have the, they just like look like a huge scar on the earth that goes down my, uh, looks like it's going down a mile. Huge, huge hole in the earth where the, these fantastic huge machines look tiny down on the bottom. That's what it's taking. But if you look at an oil well, it's just a, it's an oil pumping rig with a with a, 
a sleeve in the ground pumping your oil out. That's what you have compared to this massive thing going on the earth. And, and people are being people are being persuaded that somehow a car that runs on a, on batteries is less impactful on the atmosphere. It just it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Here's another one. Things that just seemed nonsensical. Says some 18-year-olds took out huge loans to party for four years and get worthless college degrees. And I mean that every bit. I, I tried it, and I dropped out. I'm not saying that other people didn't become doctors, nurses, engineers, uh, fine teachers. Good for them. We need them. I, I, don't, I don't mean that sarcastically in, in, at the least. But most people going to college uh, do not amount to anything, and they drop out. So it says some 18-year-olds took out huge college loans, huge loans to party for four years and get worthless college degrees. Some of my high school friends took out responsible loans to buy welders and work trucks and went to apprenticeship programs and went straight to work. My blue-collar friends should not be forced to pay irresponsible people's debt. What the person who write this is saying is why should people that went to work and were responsible with their money and got a career and went to and and fulfill their mission pay for people that overpaid for college education and may or may not got a degree and the degree was worthless at the end of the day think about it people think about the people who are promoting this kind of nonsense i i found out about this by accident but it was I was saddened and I was disappointed and kind of felt gr- grieved. And uh, because uh, the Graham family, Billy Graham and his family, his boys and I think he had one daughter, m- multiple boys and one daughter. They have basically had a, a pretty clean record as a family and a religious family, Christian family over the years but not without blunder. And uh, when I was in uh, uh, Beijing, in both times I was in Beijing, actually I was in there multiple times, but two times I was in Beijing, we met with a man named Alan Yuan. You can look him up, Y-U-A-N, Alan Yuan. Alan uh, was a Chinese youngster who, when YMCA started, Young Men's Christians Association were spreading all over the uh, all over the earth, and they started one in in Beijing, and they uh, led Alan Yuan and other young Chinese men, young men to the Lord, and and Alan Yuan became a pastor, was married, and had six very young children. This in the early 1900s, and when the um, the communists uh, or the mid 19th uh, middle or well, let me just say the early, I'll just say the early 1900s. And when the communists took over, uh, they put him in prison. And um, he was in prison for 25 years. And before he went to prison, his wife and him had six children. And she ended up raising all six of the children herself because he was in prison doing hard labor because he was a follower of Jesus. And the reason I bring him up is when we visited Alan Yuan when he was under house, house arrest, 
uh, in the early 1990s. He was about 90 when we saw him. He and his wife were both living. He was living in a one-room house in downtown Beijing. And um, he was furious with Billy Graham. And the reason he was furious with Billy Graham, who was alive and well and doing, doing conferences and, and uh, crusades, was that he came to China, came to see Alan Yuan, and when he left, he went back to America and told Americans that there was freedom of religion in China, which was not true. They allowed uh, the Chinese government, the communists allowed Billy Graham to speak there. So they allowed Billy to speak, but there was oppression all over China. And it was obvious to me when I was there. He was furious with Billy Graham. And then Billy Graham came to pass and Franklin Graham uh, took a little different approach. He started the Samaritan's Purse operation and began to speak some. But during the COVID outbreak, uh, suppose that I call it a COVID outbreak, the bioweapon, whatever you want to call it. Franklin Graham co- uh, quoted uh, the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan parable that Jesus talked about and said because that we should follow the spirit of the Good Samaritan and take the, take the jab. And I was shocked. A man of his uh, stature and the, and I felt the same as his dad of his stature when he undermined the the persecuted church, which is severely suffering and has for many, many years since the 1940s. Um, And so when Franklin Graham pronounced that we, that all Christians should, should uh, obediently take the jab, I was shocked, sickened and disappointed. And today I was listening to a couple clips that I'm I'm showing, um, Actually, I'm not going to play them for you, but I was playing them for other, I was looking to get information from them for the, for today. And I ran across the fact that Franklin Graham, after taking the jab within a few months, had myocarditis, swelling of, of the heart membrane and had to go in for open heart surgery. Myocarditis is a common adverse effect from the, the jab and also his niece the uh, her name's Rachel Ruth Lotz L O T Z. That's the uh, the daughter of his sister and the granddaughter of Billy Graham. She also a young woman, very young woman, has had uh, heart surgery as well after taking the jab. Now it's interesting to me that everybody they could find was considered COVID positive. But the government is not interested in looking at all the the people that have died or been crippled or their health compromised for the rest of their life after taking the jab. They don't want to talk about it. And many people don't want to talk about it because they're horrified that they followed the government's uh, leadership, including local supervisors who have led people astray and deceived people and people have died locally. People have damaged their heart locally. I know some. Uh, I talked to a lady today that used to work at Adventist uh, Rideout Hospital before it became Adventist. Now she works at another well-known hospital in the nearby area. And she said, Lou, there are many hospital employees that have either died, young employees, 
or they're, they've had blood clots in their legs, uh, athletes that are working for the hospital that, that uh, had adverse effects from this shot, and people are horrified and uh, keeping their head down and trying to do their job. And she said it's, uh, it's a weird time working in medicine. Franklin Graham has misled huge millions of people to take this jab, and he will, after all the good he's done, he's going to be held responsible for misleading as well as supervisors in our county, misleading people to wear masks, to take the jab, to lose their businesses, ruin their businesses. I would not want to be a supervisor in Yuba Sutter County where I'm sitting that has crushed businesses when they meet Jesus. We're going to take a break right now, and uh, we'll be right back for our second of six segments. This might not be an easy time. There's rivers across and hills to climb. Some days we might fall apart. And some nights might feel cold. Hello, Sutter County. I'm Courtney Ortega, and I'm running for supervisor. Our government is mismanaged. It's too large and it's too expensive, yet it fails to serve and protect us. The homeless rule our streets. Addiction and overdoses are epidemic. Sutter County COVID policies crushed thousands of lives and businesses. Our rights were violated. Our freedoms were denied. As your supervisor, your freedom and liberty come first. No closing of businesses, no mask mandates, no restriction to homes, no county offices or meetings off limits to you, no favoritism. Everyone gets treated fairly, no ignoring criminal behavior, and no new taxes. If you want honesty and a government that serves you, if you want change, Vote for me on June 7th. This ad was paid for by Courtney Ortega for Supervisor 2022. I hated police officers. I had heard the stories of Eric Garner, of Tamir Rice, of Michael Brown. I watched Philando Castile get shot and killed by a police officer while sitting in his car with his girlfriend and his four-year-old daughter. And it was sold to me as racism. It was sold to me by social media, by mainstream media, by my own mother. And as you can imagine, I harbored a lot of hate in my heart because of that. I joined the Black Lives Matter movement. I started organizing. In fact, I got paid to do it. It wasn't until I had my own encounter with a police officer that the ideas that I had been taught started to fall apart. I was 16, driving down the road, albeit a little bit too fast, and I got pulled over. This white male police officer walked up to my car and I was shaking and crying before he even made it to the window. I rolled the window down and I think he noticed immediately the fear that I had in my eyes. And he said to me, I'm not here to hurt you. I thought one of two things. Either A, I am being lied to and I've been lied to my entire life, or B, I just met the one good police officer in America. So I decided to do some research. I wanted to confirm in my head that yes, American police are systemically racist so that this encounter didn't shatter my entire worldview. But I found evidence to the contrary. Let's get into it.
So right out of the gate, I wanna say this. Is there a discussion that we should be having about police brutality? Absolutely. My only issue is, is that it's not a racialized discussion. And we actually harm ourselves in trying to find a solution here when we make it about race. Now we have to get into the numbers here. In 2021, 1,055 people were shot and killed by police. What's more important to note in this statistic is that police annually have nearly 375 million individual encounters. That means that on average, police encounters end in fatal shootings 0.00028% of the time. And most of the time when a person is shot and killed by police, they are either armed or dangerous in some other fashion. Now here's where things get complicated. I did find that black people are killed at a higher rate than Hispanics, whites, and other races. The numbers look a bit like this now. And I thought, boom, got them. The police are systemically racist because black people make up 13% of the population. The shootings are clearly disproportionate. What I failed to take into account in this argument is the rate of criminality in the black community. And this is a hard discussion to have because sometimes facts can offend people. The more crimes committed, the more encounters with police. And when we look into the 2019 FBI crime table, we find that black people constitute 26.6% of all crime arrests. This would go up to 27.1% in 2020. In breaking this down further, I found that that includes 51.2% of murders and manslaughters, 26.7% of rapes, 52.7% of robberies, 33.2% of aggravated assaults, and 28.8% of burglaries. The situation gets even more grim when we consider that the majority of these crimes are committed by young black males who constitute roughly 2.8% of the population. So then I thought, okay, whatever, that's just arrests. What if some of those are wrongful? It happens all the time, especially to black people because the system is racist. Well, let's assume that 50% of those arrests are wrongful and we swipe those underneath the rug. The crime rate would still be disproportionate to the size of the black population. And I'll say it again, the more crimes committed, the more encounters with police. Now, if you go and read into these encounters, which I did, you'll find that most black people fatally shot by police officers are armed. And those who aren't are often shot while evading arrest or posing some other threat to the officer. Now, I found that if police officers were truly targeting black people, the rates of fatal shooting would look a lot more like the crime rates in black communities, and they don't at all. In fact, I even stumbled on a study out of Washington State University that showed that officers were far more hesitant to shoot black suspects than white suspects. And when they did shoot black suspects, they took longer and they made fewer mistakes. The worst part for younger me was not finding that what I was saying was untrue. The worst part was actually finding that what I was saying was harmful to the communities that I thought that I was protecting. They're the ones who need the police most. Let's look at LA, for example. Just miles away from where I live is Southeast LA. There lies Watts, one of the most dangerous areas you can live in in California. I work personally with police officers who are stationed in these areas. I've seen the devastating effects of having under-resourced law enforcement. I've seen horrible acts of violence committed to the young people who live in these neighborhoods. I've seen children who can't play in their front yards without police present. Mothers who pour bleach on their front doorsteps so that gang members don't hang out outside their yards. People who would rather call in sick to work than ask a gang member to move their car out of their lot. These are the realities for these communities, these low-income communities of colors that we claim to be helping when we push this narrative. And if we continue to call for defunding the police and actually see it through, these communities will be overrun with crime and there will be no one there to respond to it. Look at Minneapolis, look at San Francisco, two cities who led with the charge of defunding the police but could not handle the spike in crime that came with it. Now, both of them are rolling back and stopping with the defund rhetoric. I wonder why. And you'll find that most of the people who shout the defund the police narrative will never feel the true weight and the true reality of the situation once that actually happens. Don't get me wrong, the outrage around police brutality in some of these videos is so understandable. I felt it, I saw it for myself, 
myself and I thought that there was nothing better to do than to go out and protest. But before you start making signs and screaming no justice, no peace like I had done in the past, you have to think about whether or not what you're saying is actually true. I encourage you to look into it for yourself, but when you do, I'm warning you, you will find that the police are not systemically racist. On top of that, the outright intolerance and disrespect that is being thrown towards good police officers is making it so that good men and women no longer want to do the job. I want bad police officers to be held accountable just as much as the next person. But it's imperative that we cut through our initial emotions to find the actual facts of the matter. It's also more important that we question the people who want to convince us of our own victimhood. Why is it that I was told my entire life that this system of law enforcement is pitted against me, yet couldn't find any facts to support it? The facts actually lead you to a completely different conclusion, that we should have a society that should be supporting its police officers and giving them the resources and training to do what they need to do safely and effectively. I don't know about you, but I do not want to live in a world without police officers. It wasn't always where I stood, but it's where I stand now, and I won't be apologizing for it. So I feel bad for the Graham family, but uh, also the Mitt Romney family. Uh, I don't know what relationship this young Romney was, but he's a star, tall, star basketball guy. For his, He was a senior at this high school, was destined for college, and um, he and his father both, uh, Ro- the last name of Romney, uh, got brain bleeds uh, from the jab. So it's happening to a lot of uh, well-known families, and um, so we're hearing some about that. But it's also helping ha- uh, happening to a lot of people that aren't famous, but they are, they're famous with God, and they're important to God, and, and they, they made a poor choice. They were deceived. They were led astray by med- the medical doctors in their lives, uh, by friends in their lives, by, by watching the media, by Fauci, by Dr. Lou. Uh, our local uh, doctor death and uh, all these people that are in charge are going to have to answer to Jesus whether they believe in Jesus or not whether they whether they believe in some other leader or spiritual leader or not they're all going to meet God and the Bible says they're going to have to answer Maximilian uh, Robespierre said the secret of freedom lies in educating people And that's the first thing that the communists and the socialists in this country has undermined is the education of our children. And today, you're better off just keeping your kids home and hanging out than going to public education. That's a lot for me to say. I used to be on the school board of Yuba County Office of Education. I, I believe that education, the public, the government schools are propaganda schools and are harmful to your child. Big time harmful. That does not say there aren't good teachers in the government schools. They believe they're, they're working around the, all the ridiculousness. You need to remove your child, do homeschool or do part homeschool or do private school or something, something. But there's, 
Anything is better. Anything is better. Anything is better than government schools. I'm telling you. The secret of freedom lies in educating people, Maximilian said, whereas the secret of tyranny is in keeping them ignorant. That's exactly what the government schools are doing. They're keeping kids completely ignorant and propagandizing them that any sexual behavior will do, any gender uh, persuasion, any gender choice will do. doesn't matter what your plumbing says. It doesn't, it is, you can choose whatever you want, change your plumbing. Abortion is fine. Humans are the cause of global warming, all that nonsense, right? Uh, the global warming is happening is nonsense. They came from a monkey is nonsense. There's so much that's just nonsense. Critical race theory is nonsense. Most of what is being taught is just waste of time. Many of my friends teach and get better results from their kids educationally in half the time than tying up their kids for a full day for 12 years of their life. It's, it's pitiful. We recently heard that all 10, 10 super, there's 10 supervisors between the two counties, five supervisors in Yuba County, five supervisors in Sutter County. And I understand that in closed session, Dr. Uh, I call her Joseph Mingala because she is our lo local killer, Joseph Mingala Fong Lu. She's our doctor of death. Uh, she followed all the prescription, all the Fauci prescription to tell people to go home and get sick get really sick, then come back to the hospital, put on, get on the ventilator, get on room disavir, get the hospital a hundred grand and then die over there. She's the one that created fraud, um, to convince people that all these sicknesses and death were all caused by COVID. It was a fraud. It was a lie from the very beginning. And the supervisors chose to support her and they chose to go along with all this. So they are not innocent in this. They have, the people that have died, the people that have overdosed, the people that have couldn't go to their uh, the support group meetings, they, they couldn't go to a rehab during the last two years, uh, and died. They are the blood is on the hands of the supervisors, and my understanding is that nine of ten supervisors in Yuba and Sutter County voted to retain keep Dr. Fong Lu. Really uh, saddened me. Uh, I thought there wouldn't be that many would do that. I thought. There would be some, a majority probably, but the only one, I believe, out of the two counties that uh, would not vote for her is Seth Fuhrer. Uh, I remember early in COVID talking to Matt Conant, and I asked him this question. I said, Matt, did you get a second opinion? First of all, would you get a second opinion if you were pronounced with cancer by your doctor? And he said, well, definitely I would. And I said, did you get a second opinion? Talk to other doctors. Talk to other health officials about the mandates, the closing of businesses, the standing six feet apart, the running around with a cotex around your face, all the nonsense, putting up plexiglass everywhere, uh, closing schools, closing your, your neighbor's business. You didn't get a second opinion, Matt, right? He said, no, I didn't get a second opinion. I just did what we were told. That people is not a leader. That's a pussy. That is not a leader. When, when things get tough, that's the kind of leadership you want. You want good leaders. Anybody can captain a boat sitting in the harbor. It's out on the rough seas that you want a good captain. Supervisors sold this community down the drain. 
If you ever thought the supervisors had your back, they did not have your back. They, in fact, made a profit on COVID. They made a profit for the county on COVID. They cashed in and they held out and let the oppression happen to collect more money. Do you realize, you know, some of you that think, well, our country is different than communist countries. Not when it came to COVID. They did exactly the same thing as the communists. They oppressed the people and everybody made money. Oh, communists, I thought they all shared. No, 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 no. They are rich, just like the people we have running our two counties. They get a lot of money, just like the people run our two counties. And they allowed people to starve and run out of money. And they broke thousands of businesses in Vietnam because I go to work there. I work there. And they did exactly the same here. There's no difference between what happened over there and what happened here. It's communism, people. And our supervisors claim, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a conservative. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Republican. They are neither. They're socialists. That's what they are. And they like it because they're making a lot of money. Yuba County supervisors are making almost $100,000 a year. And, you know, they, they argue out of both sides of their mouth. One day they say, well, this is a full-time job. And then all of them have other full-time jobs along with that, or two full-time jobs. In fact, Dan Flores has three or four full-time jobs. He's a partner with one of his fellow supervisors in a real estate firm. And then he also had a school, was running a school. Then he was a full-time supervisor. And now he is also has a full-time job with the city of Marysville. Now, how one, one day they're arguing it's a full-time job being a supervisor, and then the next day a guy has four full-time jobs. How's that work? Who gets shorted? And when you're in partnership with another supervisor and you're actually doing work for a third supervisor, how do you avoid violating the Brown Act or not having to recuse yourself? That means not vote on things because it's a conflict of interest. I'm going to play a clip right now uh, from that that uh, Ted Cruz is talking. He his dad was a Cuban refugee, and Ted Cruz is one of the sharper guys. Whether you like his politics or not, he's one of the sharper guys in the U.S. Senate, representing the state of Texas. Let's listen to what he says about the mandates. It is time to end the COVID mandates. The American people understand these mandates make no sense. It's time to end mask mandates. It's time to end vaccine mandates. It's time to end vaccine passports. And it's especially time to end vaccine mandates for kids in schools. All of these are wrong. But when it comes to the mask mandates on planes, it makes no sense. And the American people get it. We're told that COVID is an amazingly politically sensitive and nuanced virus. That COVID, that one simple mask magically prevents COVID. Unless, of course, you have a Diet Coke in your hand. In which case on a plane, a Diet Coke, you don't need the mask anymore because Diet Coke apparently is, is some sort of cure for COVID. I, I don't understand the asinine reasoning. If you put the Diet Coke down, you need the mask again. Unless you pick up a peanut, you know, a peanut also prevents the transmission. 
it is utterly demonstrably asinine for restaurants that have COVID mask mandates in place. You walk in, you had to wear a mask. You sit down, take the mask off. I don't know if it's an altitude thing. COVID at six feet high is deadly. At three feet high, it's perfectly benign. The American people get that this is a joke. I've got a crazy idea. The American people should have the same mask rules that members of Congress had at the State of the Union address. Just two weeks ago, we saw 535 members of Congress sitting on the floor of the House. I don't think there were five masks among them. Joe Biden didn't have a mask. Kamala Harris didn't have a mask. Nancy Pelosi didn't have a mask. And yet, John Q. Public, if a grandmother is flying to see her grandkids, she's told, put that mask on on the airplane. It makes no sense. And I will tell you, our Democratic colleagues, we, we serve in a body with 100 senators. Our Democratic colleagues, when they were behind closed doors, even at the height of the mask mandates, behind closed doors, they would take their masks off. They would be laughing. They'd be yucking it up. You'd go to a classified briefing. Almost every person there would take their mask off. And then you'd see a Democratic senator step out and suddenly they'd see TV cameras. And almost to a person, they'd rush to pull their mask on. Because apparently the virus reacts with TV lenses somehow. This is idiotic. The American people know it's idiotic. It's not preventing the spread of the disease. But it is virtue signaling. By the way, according to the virtue signal, if one mask is good, two is better. And even better than that is three. Well, you know what? If you want to wear three masks from now until the end of time, you can. Nobody's stopping you. You have every freedom to mask up as long as you want. But stop using arbitrary government power to force the American people to play in COVID theater. Today, in the District of Columbia, police officers who make the personal health care choice not to get vaccinated are eligible to be fired as of today. It is wrong to be firing cops. And all the Democrats who applauded at the State of the Union don't abolish the police ought to explain why they support firing cops in D.C. and jurisdictions across the country. One final example of just how asinine this is. The NBA just fined Kyrie Irving $50,000 because their rules, the rules in New York City, here's how idiotic it is. Kyrie Irving could go to a game, could sit in the stands not being vaccinated, which he did. That was perfectly okay. But if he actually plays... That's not permissible because apparently in addition to Diet Coke and peanuts, which we're told are magical cures for COVID, touching a basketball makes you a lethal threat. They find Kyrie Irving because he dared to go to the locker room. Mind you, he's sitting in the damn stands watching the game. He could go talk to the players at the game, which he did. But when he went to the locker room, $50,000. This is asinine, dishonest theater. Let Kyrie play. By the way, if Brooklyn won't let Kyrie play, I'm going to make a pitch to you directly. Kyrie, come to Houston, play for the Rockets. We'll let you play. 
It's a hell of a player. Uncle Drew's being benched by asinine democratic theater. This is stupid. It's not health related. It's not science related. It's not medicine related. It is political theater, and it's time for it to end. So it's interesting, isn't it, that Ted Cruz and many others at the national level have been going after these faulty, fraudulent COVID mandates. And yet no one in our local area has taken that on, except for somebody like Kevin Kiley, who doesn't even represent this area in the Yuba Sutter County's area. But we couldn't even get a local representative to stand up. Why? Because they supported Dr. Mengele Liu oppressing businesses and causing businesses to go out and file bankruptcy, causing people to stay home, stay in their houses, wear masks. People couldn't go see their loved ones when they were on their deathbed. Couldn't, people couldn't see their loved ones that were housed in uh, care centers. People couldn't see their loved ones uh, in the hospital. Ridiculous. Just like a communist country. That's what they do in China. They just tell you your, your relative died, your dad died, your mom died. Sorry about that. And you're shocked. And they just send the body home or burn the body. That's what's going on right now. It's ridiculous. We, have, we do not have representative leadership with our supervisors. Dan Flores, who is running for office again uh, and is basically paying people off up and down the line, and is, is, he's, he's the type of representative that you fear will get into office who is there to serve himself and to become rich off the taxpayer. Everything revolves around him. It does not revolve around you. A good servant-hearted guy or gal would there be there for the people. But you don't close people's businesses while you make a haul or then turn around and buy up their property and their businesses later at a, a dime on the dollar. Or have your hand in every till in town. You know, it's, it's a criminal that is glad when he gets to run the cash register because he can dip into the till. That's exactly what you have in Supervisor Flores. I, uh, my feeling is that every supervisor that's running for office should be eliminated that has any opposition. We, we need to change. And, and even if we need to make two or three changes in a row at that position, if the next person can't do it, we need to get people in there that are going to defend the Constitution. The Constitution is a byword. It is not followed at, in e any of these uh, uh, legislative bodies. Our forefathers believed they questioned whether anybody would serve with good motives when you paid them. Now, I would say that they would serve if you didn't pay them because there's so much at stake, because there's so much government regulation, they can get paid on the side. And that's what these people are doing. Supervisors are getting paid on the side to make decisions favorable to their friends. That's exactly what's going on. It's corrupt from the bottom, from the lowest uh, council or committee, all the way up to the top, to the Supreme Court. We are to follow the Constitution, not the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has made plenty of embarrassing and anti-human decisions, 
anti-freedom decisions. And I'm going to talk some more about it when we come back. But that's what's going on. I want to talk to you um, in a minute about um, we're going to play a couple long clips over the next two segments about something that's very controversial. But I, I enjoy controversy. And it's it's talking about um, we're going to hear from Brian Artis, A-R-D-I-S, who is a doctor of chiropractic. And he has a, the, the Brian Artis, A-R-D-I-S show. Very good show, very good website. And we're going to li- listen to him and Stu Peters, who has one of the top po- podcasts in the country, talk about the finding, the discovery of serpent venom or snake venom. There's a lot of things that have venom in the world. And uh, in the, in the uh, COVID vaccine, the COVID shots, there's venom in it. And uh, we're going to listen to that in a minute, but I'm going to talk to you when I get back here about gaslighting. And uh, you've heard that term, uh, oh, he's, you're gaslighting somebody or you're doing gaslighting. I want to cover that. I've covered it before one time. I'm going to go over it again because we have been gaslit and we are continue to be gaslighted or lit by the government, deceived. We'll be right back. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. An active campaign to eliminate children from the world began in the early 70s. A document called the Rockefeller Commission on Population Growth pushed for abortion before it was legal. Then and today, many groups blame children for the environment, global warming, and other worldwide ailments. One website called Stop Having Kids is an example. It reads... There is an unconscionable amount of needless suffering and death in the world. Birth serves as a catalyst for it all. Yes, they and many other organizations blame babies for all the world's woes, and it's reflected in their extreme pro-abortion stands. That's why I and other pro-life leaders have taken a bold stand against this corrupt philosophy. Visit lifeissues.org and click on the microphone icon for details. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. We are going to respond to the inflation that some people are seeing. It is just transitory. It's temporary. It's, it's not going to last long. I like using my hands. Have you guys noticed? I do. <laughs> Does it look like I care about what you're saying when I do this? Like this? More? More head nod? Less? I don't care. I don't care at all. <laughs> I don't. I don't care about any of you or anyone, really. Ah, another inflation question. Um, inflation is good. It's good. It's good. Uh, it challenges the system. It makes you um, balance, you know, puts a little pressure on the system, but it's good. We don't need to worry about it. It's good. Oh, another, another inflation question. Gotta love, you gotta love the inflation. 
You love you love the inflation questions. Um, I think at this point it's pretty clear why we have inflation. It's the corporations, the corporations and their corporate greed. They're so selfish. They're so bad. They're evil. They're Doctor Evil. They're <sighs> the corporations. Um, they're just they're down with them. Down with the corporations. I've got less than a month to go. One more month. Less than a month. It's bad, okay? I, but it's Putin's fault. It's Putin. Um, all of this, everything you see, all of it, everything is Putin's fault, okay? He has done this. He has done this to us. Um, I, and I, I gotta go. I gotta go. So we're gonna leave it at that. It's Putin's price hike. It's Putin's fault. I just, okay, okay. But goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. After Governor Ron DeSantis signed an anti-groomer bill into law that prevents school teachers from engaging five-year-olds about homosexual sex acts and radical transgender ideology, the groomers have come out of the woodwork, and many people are waking up to the dark side of Disney. Investigative journalist Christopher Rufo has outlined a partial list of Disney employees who have been arrested for child sex crimes. Robert Kingsolver was a service manager who oversaw ride repairs at the Magic Kingdom. He was arrested in 2014 for soliciting sex from an agent posing as a 14-year-old girl. Alan Treister, a concierge at Animal Kingdom Lodge, who used to work at Disney's popular Toy Story ride, advertised himself online as Big Teddy Bear for Younger Chaser and confessed to having sex with a 15-year-old boy he groomed online. Animal Kingdom Lodge gift shop worker Paul Fazio was convicted of downloading child pornography videos showing sexual activity with adults and children. Character actor Patrick Holgerson was arrested in 2014 after sending nude photos online while trying to meet up with a 13-year-old boy. Justin Hazan, an operator on the Millennium Falcon ride, and Arlandra Sims, a food runner at the Animal Kingdom Resort, were busted in 2020 for selling child pornography with victims as young as four years old. Disney Cruise Line youth host Oliver Lavat was arrested in 2019 for molesting a 10-year-old boy aboard the Disney Magic Ship's Oceaneer Kids Lab after blindfolding the child and spinning him around several times as part of a game. In 2012, an 11-year-old girl was groped and kissed in an elevator by 33-year-old Milton Braganza, a dining server on the Disney Dream. A cruise line security officer was told by Disney officials to keep her mouth shut and do nothing. Two days later, when the ship arrived in Nassau, Berganza admitted to the Bahamas police that he molested the girl and was then taken to the airport, where Disney arranged for his flight back home to India. Last year, Hollywood Studios custodians Jonathan McGrew and Savannah Lawrence were caught attempting to have a threesome with a 13-year-old. McGrew said that the couple's fantasy was to play stepdad, stepdaughter, stepmother. 
Animal Kingdom Lodge lifeguard Kenneth Aquino was arrested after trying to have sex with a 13-year-old, showing up in his Disney work clothes. Of course, child predators will naturally seek employment at Disney, but it's everywhere within the company. Director of music publishing John Healy was charged with three felony counts of child sexual abuse in 2017. Vice President Michael Laney was convicted of sexually abusing a seven-year-old girl in 2019. Both actor-producer Brian Peck and director Victor Salva were rehired by Disney after they served time for raping children from the set. The subliminal sexualization of children has demonstrably been a part of Disney's work for generations, embedded into their animations. Several whistleblowers have claimed that Disney has been used since its very beginning as a form of mind control and MKUltra, most famously for their Project Monarch princess programming of little girls. So it's really no surprise that Disney's corporate president admittedly wants to flood Disney stories with the so-called LGBTQIA agenda, which we now understand to be code for pedophilia. At last, my love has come along. My lonely days are over. All right, before we get into this uh, longer clip, I'm going to cover some of this on gaslighting and see if we can uh, cover it and then uh, play the clip. And then I might have to finish it up on the backside of the clip. So the term gaslighting originates in the systematic psychological manipulation of a victim. That's what's happened to us over the last two years. But in this case, it was by her husband in Patrick Hamilton's 1938 stage play, Gaslight. And the film Adoptions released in 1940 and 44. In the story, the husband attempts to convince his wife and others that she is insane by manipulating small elements of their environment and insisting that she is mistaken, remembering things incorrectly or delusional when she points out these things. The play's title alludes to how the abusive husband slowly dims the gaslights in their home while pretending nothing has changed in an effort to make his wife doubt her own perceptions. The wife repeatedly asks her husband to confirm her perceptions about the dimming lights, but in defiance of reality, he keeps insisting that the lights are the same. Instead, it is she who is going insane. We are living in a perpetual state of gaslighting, this person writes. The reality that we are being told by the media is at complete odds with what we are seeing with our own two eyes. And when we question the false reality that we are being presented, or we claim that what we see is the actual reality, we are vilified as racists or bigots or just plain crazy. You're not racist. You're not crazy. You're being gaslighted. 
Uh, New York State has twice as many deaths from COVID-19 than any other state, and New York has accounted for one-fifth of all COVID deaths when this was written. But we are told that New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has handled the pandemic better than any other governor. But if we support policies of, of the governors whose states had only a fraction of these infections and, and deaths as New York, we're called anti-science, and we want people to die. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No, you're being gaslighted. So we see mobs of people looting stores, smashing windows, setting cars afire, and burning down buildings, but we are told that these demonstrations are peaceful protests. And when we call this destruction of our cities riots, uh, we are called racist. So are we? So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No, you're being gaslighted. We see the major problems destroying many inner cities uh, as be, is crime. That's one of the major problems. Murder, gang violence, drug dealing, drive-by shootings, armed robbery. But we are told that it is not crime, but the police that are the problem in the inner cities. We are told we must defend the police uh, and remove law enforcement from uh, sorry, defund the police and remove law enforcement from crime-riddled cities to make them safer. But if we advocate for more policing in the cities by that are overrun by crime, we were accused of being white supremacists and racists. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? All right, I'm going to take a break right here. I'm going to do the next half of on the way back. I'm going to play this clip for you, Brian Artis and Stu Peters. It's going to blow your mind. Close to 3 million people have viewed Watch the Water on Rumble alone. Millions others watched on other platforms and thousands more are tuning in every hour. The thing is just exponentially exploding. So the question is, what now? If the truth about COVID is being covered up, who's responsible for it? Who can we go after? What should we be asking our elected officials to do? Selected representatives. And for those of there out there who want to push this story along, where should they be looking? What should they be digging into? There's nobody better to ask all of these questions to than the star of Watch the Water himself, Dr. Brian Artis, who joins us now. You didn't really want to be a star. I know that. Uh, briefly, I just want to know, how's the fallout been for you since the release of the documentary? Stu, so, uh, when I came in to, and talked to you the first time in Minnesota, considering uh, security because of your background is what I wanted, I, I really felt this grave, intense worry and anxiety I've never felt in my life that this was going to be very problematic for me. And I did worry about the fallout. And what I really worried about was um, I have wanted people who have wanted to listen to me and have asked me to speak for them to their audiences who have consistently done that for two years. I, I didn't want to burn any trust in them that they had in me. I also didn't want any colleagues who have been saving lives this entire two years who have been motivating to me to want to all of a sudden um, defame me, badmouth me, or even take a take for a second the idea and project it anywhere, uh, not to trust me that my intentions are are bad. And so I worried somewhat about that because I really did only, I believe, be I was directed by God, I believe, to actually go find this information. And then I know in my heart of hearts, I was told multiple times by God to make sure the world knows this. So great, I told you. Doesn't matter that uh, doesn't matter what happens to me. Doesn't matter what they say about me. What has come to light for me is over four months 
almost anything that has appeared complex, mysterious in relationship to COVID-19 infections, any of their long-term side effects, any of the side effects of the mRNA shots, the incredibly toxic effects of remdesivir. If you look at it with a lens that no one was looking at, that I believe God directed to me to go look at. If you look, just look, and looked at it through a lens of snake venom poisoning called envenomation, there hasn't been anything that hasn't been answered in research studies to back up everything I'm seeing and being disgusted by, being encouraged by in relationship to COVID-19. So there are some questions also that we've been getting a lot of, and I want to get to some of those here because I know that we're limited on time. So um, if it's in the water, uh, why aren't kids reacting? And I asked you this during our sit down. Uh, it's, it's not on the original film. It'll be in the extended version, uh, which I believe that they're working on right now, because as the editor said, he wanted to make sure that everything that was in the original documentary was able to be fact-checked, cited, and he went through and dug up all that research. So why are kids largely not being affected by snake venom? Well, this is a great question. And one of the things that, uh, one of the gaps that have been filled since you released the actual film, the very first night, Stu, I woke up the next morning after you released this, and there were text messages to my phone of research documents that were now concluding for people and bringing logic and understanding to something that was perplexing to them. And it was this whole time for two years. Why does SARS-CoV-2, if it's so infectious and deadly, why does it not affect kids as much as adults? I had no idea what I was about to learn, even just yesterday morning. Did you know? I didn't know this. Did you know that by nature, children actually release and have in their bloodstream more melatonin hormone than adults? I had only just recently learned that yesterday myself. I did know that. I did not know, and these research studies kept flying into me, that melatonin, the hormone, is inhibitory to snake venom peptides or snake venom in general. And I did not know those research studies existed, but they do. This was another thing that allowed people, your documentary allowed people to go look and see, is it possibly related that this query and question I've had for the last two years, that never made sense. Can it make sense here? Also, since I actually sat in this studio, people have been texting going, oh my God, I've looked up snake venom and the side effects of losing hair. And it's there. This is a weird side effect to a virus you've been told that is actually fits back right into something that I've uncovered, unearthed. And it wasn't me that did it. I want the world to know who actually sent me the text. I asked this doctor after he saw the documentary, if it was okay for me to let the world know who it was. It was Dr. Richard Bartlett who sent me the text about rattlesnake getting bit. And did you, would you go to a hospital and get antivenom? This has been an incredible journey since that man was inspired to send me that text that he knew would drive me to look at possibly, Dr. Artis, would you trust monoclonal antibodies? Because you've been talking bad about monoclonal antibodies. And the truth is, I had to admit to myself I was wrong. I had done interviews about why I was negative about monoclonal antibodies. And I was wrong about that because they work. And then they try to strip it from all the doctors and have because it works against COVID. It also works against snake venom. The first sign of that, that it's good should have been when this regime, this administration started pulling it from everywhere and banning it and making it nearly impossible to get. What about pets? What about livestock? Uh, these, these animals drink this water. Yeah, so if it affects mammals, 
which are human, it's going to affect animals. Uh, they're already, just so you know, Mark Zuckerberg and his wife have a foundation, and they actually have been funding COVID-19 PCR testing of deer, for example, in Staten Island, and finding positive cases of COVID-19. Imagine why. It's either, now listen. Well, deer aren't really drinking e the tap water, though. But my dogs <laughs> are drinking tap water. Uh, the cows and the pigs and the chickens that are raised on farms, they're drinking tap water. Uh, so I can't explain the deer thing. Um, that would suggest that it's viral and that it's being transmitted in the wild. But what about our pets? And what about this livestock? Should people be worried that they're eating envenomated food or that their pet could be potentially experiencing the side effects of this? Yeah, I think we should try to do this. Uh, Stu, I think you and I both agree that we have actually brought this to light, not to create more fear and panic, right. but to try to reduce it. You have to understand, no matter if we're right and absolutely certain that the weapon's in the water and that's how they're using it, you have to understand this has been a sub-lethal poisoning. And the majority of people are not dying from the weapon. I mean, you dilute anything in water or in the air, it's going to become less lethal than injecting it into your body, like the shots, like remdesivir and other yes, things. Yep. So it's not that dangerous. And they use animals to make anti-venom. They inject them with snake venom and then draw out the antibodies. There's probably mechanisms. I'm not a veterinarian. There's probably mechanisms in animals that actually are wild and now domesticated. They may have enzymes and properties in their body that protect them against snakes. Horses do. Maybe goats do. Maybe chickens do. I have no idea. But maybe. Maybe. What about the shedding, the transmission? What are these people shedding? And how does the venom theory match up to the spike protein findings? Oh, that's great. So in France, in April of 2020, it was determined by geneticists that the spike protein on SARS-CoV-2, when they genetically sequenced it, it was most similar to crate venom and king cobra venom, the spike protein. Now, if you happen to get venom inside your body, your body's going to try to get rid of it. Not any different than a virus, not any different than a bacterial infection. If you got anything into your body that was poisonous, toxic, including venom, your body's going to do four things if you're a male, five things if you're a female to shed it out of your body. And to the degree you have more poison or venom than others, you're going to shed more venom or poison to others. You do this in these ways. You're going to get a fever and you're going to sweat it out. Or you're going to get diarrhea, you're going to poop it out. And then they're going to find it in your water like they're doing right now. Or you're going to pee it out and find it in your water. Or you're going to cough it out in the form of droplets, coughing, sneezing, hacking. And yes, can venom be distributed in the air? Of course it can. There's even cobras that spit it in the air into their creatures, get in their eyes. So yes, it could be exposed uh, through shedding. Women have a fifth way they shed poisons and toxins, which would help to explain some of the symptoms you're seeing with heavy menstrual flow in children, adults, and others. I mean, imagine if a breastfeeding mother who's got the mRNA shots, and let's just say, my assumption is there's actually snake venom phosphodiesterase in those shots that the two people that co-created it have been using since 2009 to cleave and cut RNA and DNA to do gene therapy. Drew Wiseman and Catalina Carrico, this is what they've used. Snake venom phosphodiesterase to make mRNA shots. If, if that's what's in there and the mom gets the shots as a child, they're breastfeeding. You don't think that stuff could get in the breast milk and get into your baby and it would look like shedding? Of course it would. That's what would happen. So what about the and reproduction of, you, of these spike think, proteins and that they just keep multiplying billions of times 
uh, in your body and the theory that, uh, what about the long term? You know, uh, if you get bit by a snake, does it eventually go away? If it's in your bloodstream, you know, is this going, going to really be a long haul, long term problem for people who have been injected with this stuff? Yeah, everyone who has shared a stage with me, educating anybody, warning anybody. The concern has been all along that the mRNA of what's in those shots is getting into our DNA, and then our body's going to become a factory for replicating new cells of the spike protein that's getting inserted into our DNA. I'm telling you, the spike protein in France, April 2020, was identified as cobra toxin or crate toxin genetically. That's its sequence. And if you're injecting cobra venom or cobra toxin or crate toxin as a spike protein into your DNA, your body's going to replicate whatever that gene sequence was, call it a spike protein, call it snake venom peptides, doesn't matter. Your body's going to start now making it. Well, the human body, which is a mam mammalian tissue, mammals tissue gets destroyed in multiple ways by the shredding effect of peptides found in animal venoms. So if your body's replicating this stuff over time, it's going to shred the membranes of your blood vessels and you're going to hemorrhage possibly and develop strokes, aneurysms. It's going to continue to shred uh, spike proteins. You could lose your baby, uh, have a miscarriage. Yes, it attacks the placental attachment to the uterus wall during pregnancy. It can also get into your ovaries. We already know it's doing this. We already know. The design of the actual mRNA shots is to get your body to generate and create spike proteins. In France, April of 2020, right before Bing Liu was murdered, they found that the spike protein on SARS-CoV-2 had the, I, the closest genetic sequence identical to uh, Chinese crate snake venom and king cobra venom. And if the work that the two scientists at the University of Pennsylvania have been doing for the last at least 13 years, which has been getting mRNA into DNA, that's been all they've been doing. And they're using snake venom peptides to do that, or snake venom phosphodiesterase to do that. You might want to go look and see uh, if it's possible that there's snake venom properties in these. Your body's going to be generating these peptides that we know are destructive in the human body to lead to neurological diseases like Alzheimer's, prion diseases. Venom does that. I mean, imagine if you're generating this. I don't know why this is any more scarier than a spike protein that we know is per the Salk Institute, damages 28 tissues in your body all by itself without being tied to a virus. The scientists and researchers in April of 2020 figured out the spike protein was actually genetically sequenced, almost identical to three things, king cobra venom, crate venom, and then rabies virus. We're crying out loud. Why would we want to generate rabies virus spike proteins? I wouldn't want to do that either. Um, let's That's talk about immunity a little blood. bit. Uh, if, if I come down with COVID, right, which we all know is fake, uh, we know that it's man-made, and now we believe uh, to be envenomation. W speak to the immunity part of this, because a lot of people have been told if you get it once, you cannot contract it again. Um, I got sick. Um, I have not been sick since. So can you speak to the immunity part of it? Oh, absolutely. So this really did solve one of those questions for me, too, because, listen, I love and trust and honor what Peter McCullough has been doing all over the country there was a period just like me where I learned that monoclonal antibodies I was wrong about. Peter McCullough used to say you can get COVID once and you can't get it again. Then he realized, oh my God, you can. And then he's been very open about that, even on the Joe Rogan show. I mean, we're learning as we're going. But just so you know, if you view it as an envenomation, as the way that I'm exposing this to the world for all of you to just take a look, 
the next question would be, if you got bit by a snake and you had any complications as a result, well, what if you got bit by a snake again? Are you going to have a reaction to it? There are some scientists who actually have suggested, and with animals and with humans, actually done snake venom envenomation tests and done low-dose venom testing to see if you can make somebody immune in the future, kind of like food allergy testing, environmental allergy testing. They'll give you little bits of the allergen to help your body build an immunity. Yes. Uh, so I just want you to know, if you got a toxin in your body or an infection, yes, you can get it more than once. Even in the realm of coronaviruses that they call the common cold viruses. I used to say this all the time, and I'll say it now. Even if it's just a virus, even if it really is a coronavirus, if you got a cold one time in your life, does that mean you're never going to get a cold again? Of course no. not. <laughs> no. Of course not. So that isn't true about coronaviruses in general. It doesn't even make sense. Yes, you can get them again. Yes, there could be a variation of that. Or they could just be poisoning you altogether. The study I supplied to your filmmakers, which I actually personally was shocked wasn't in there, and that's okay because I've been able to share it since, and you will too, I promise, on our follow-ups. In Italy, October 2021, peer-reviewed, published article, they found 36 different animal venom peptides in only the group of people in multiple cities in Italy who had tested positive for COVID-19. And the control group that they did PCR testing for and they were negative, they didn't find a single one of an animal venom peptide from snakes, snails, in the negative tested person. In the 20 who did test PCR positive for COVID-19, they found in their blood, urine, and in their poop, 36 different toxic venom peptides from king cobra snakes, spitting cobras, crates, vipers galore and then they found 20 of the 36 they found belong to snake venom different peptides and yes they all behave differently in your body all right this is lou benninger with no hostages radio that was dr brian artis and Stu peters and we're going to complete that discussion here on the back side of this break so we're going to go to a break right now and be right back Hillary Rodham Clinton has told people that she was named for the first man to climb Mount Everest, Sir Edmund Hillary. But as Esquire magazine recently pointed out, Sir Edmund did not climb Mount Everest until 1953, six years after Hillary was born. However, the First Lady does have a good explanation for the discrepancy. She loves to lie. <laughs> I'd probably be a terrible 911 dispatcher. God forbid you have to call 911 and I answer the phone. 911, <laughs> what's your emergency? There's a guy trying to get in your house. Well, did you lock the door? <laughs> you didn't lock the door? Well, that was dumb, huh? <laughs> I mean, like, you don't watch movies or... No, yeah, no, I'm sending the cops. They're on their way, but it's going to be like 15 minutes. You better find a hiding spot. 
and don't get under the bed. They always look there first. Well, for years, 911's been handling calls that turns out aren't actual emergencies. Hello, 911. There are black people. Ma'am, stay calm. I'm scared too. The officers are on their way. So we came up with a program to help white people decide if their emergency was an actual emergency. We hired a black operator. 911, what's your emergency? Uh, I'm on the train and these black people are talking and it's loud and I think there could be a fight. Okay, sir, so let me get this straight. You called 911 because black people were talking loud? Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Okay, good. Here's what I need you to do. Stand up, walk to the window, and throw your ass off that train. No, he's just walking down the sidewalk, but it feels threatening. Girl, bye. Is she a bit unorthodox? Yes. But it's been efficient, and she's almost entirely professional. Almost. So you're saying he's a 6'4", African-American male, broad shoulders, driving a Benz? I need you to look closely at him. Is he wearing a wedding ring? Uh, no. Stay right there. I'm on my way. Hold on, girl. Hello? 911, what is your emergency? I need help. There's some people outside. I think they're trying to break into my garage. They're breaking into your home right now? Yeah. Can you send some police? What kind of police? What do you mean, what kind of police? Due to recent policy changes regarding police brutality, we need to ensure that the officers we send out are guaranteed to not be viewed as racist, trigger-happy, discriminatory in the event of a violent confrontation. So Can you just send someone to help? I don't know what these people want. My family is here and... Oh my God, they just got into the garage. Please send some help! In order to send help, I need to know what race the perpetrators are, their age, their sexual orientation, what gender they are. Do they have a criminal record? Are they on drugs? If they are armed, and if so, what are they armed with? I don't care about any of that! Send help now! Sir, we cannot send white officers out there if the perpetrators breaking into your home are non-Caucasian. I can't send officers out there with guns if the alleged burglars are not armed. So, I need to know. Ah! 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 Sir? They furnished off the apartment with a two-room robot sale. The coolerator was crammed with TV dinners and ginger ale. But when Pierre found work, the little money coming worked out well. All right, so we were talking before we went to hear Stu Peters and Dr. Brian Artis. We were talking about gaslighting, and, and just to briefly summarize, gaslighting is when someone is trying to deceive you and trouble you and describe reality as uh, different than it really is. Your perception is questioned constantly. That's what's been happening for two years when, when your logic, when your common sense was being undermined by fraud and lies. So I'm going to finish this uh, article on gaslighting. It says the United States of America accepts more immigrants than any other country in the world. The vast majority of the immigrants are people of color. 
and these immigrants are enjoying freedom and economic opportunity unavailable to them in, in the country of their origin. But we are told that the United States is the most racist and oppressive country on the planet. And if we disagree, we are called racist and xenophobic. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No, you're just being gaslighted. Capitalist countries are the most prosperous countries in the world. The standard of living is the highest uh, in capitalist countries. We see more poor people move up the economic ladder to the middle and even the wealthy class through their effort and ability in capitalist countries than any other economic system in the world. But we are told capitalism is an oppressive system designed to keep people down. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No, you're being gaslighted. Communist countries killed over 100 million people in the 20th century. Communist countries strip their citizens of basic human rights, dictate every aspect of their lives, treat their citizens like slaves, and drive their ec economies into the ground. But we are told that communism or socialism is the fairest, most equitable, freest, and most prosperous economic system in the world. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? No, you're being gaslighted. The most egregious example of gaslighting is the concept of white fragility. You spend your life trying to be a good person, trying to treat people fairly and with respect. You disavow racism and bigotry in all its forms. You judge people solely on the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. You don't discriminate based on race or ethnicity, but you are told you are a racist, not because of something you did or said, but solely because of the color of your skin. You know instinctively that you are not racist, so you defend yourself and your character, but you are told that you, your defense of yourself is proof of your racism. So we ask ourselves, am I crazy? And you know you're being gaslighted. Gaslighting has become the most pervasive and destructive tactic in American politics. It is the exact opposite of what our political system was meant to be. If you ever ask yourself if, I, if you're crazy, you are not. Crazy people don't aren't sane enough to ask themselves if they're crazy. So trust yourself, believe in what's in your heart, trust your eyes over what you are told. Never listen to pe the people who tell you that you were crazy because you were not, you were being gaslighted. Sof Sophocles said what people believe prevails over the truth. And that's what the media is trying to exploit. Unfortunately, what the media presents as truth and so many have believed it is just not true. Okay, we're going to go to this other clip and finish up this uh, discussion between artists, Dr. Artis and Stu Peters right now. One of the things we discussed in the interview with you was the peptides themselves. They have selected from the 19 they know that vipers make in their venom glands. They directly target specific organs. They know this. Researchers do. They've been able to isolate these. Yes, they can synthetically make venom in labs. CNN was even reporting it in January of 2020. They've been doing it since 1989, I'm aware of. In mass quantities, they can do this. You don't need snakes to do it. All right, so they found these peptides are specifically targeting organs. I guarantee you, they have said from the beginning, everybody, CDC included, that those people with comorbidities have the highest risk of hospitalization and death from COVID. These peptides from snake venom can be isolated the ones that target the pancreas and diabetics, the ones that isolate and target just heart tissue and heart disease patients, those who have neurological disease, they could target those inflammatory cells to cause and accelerate nerve growth factor leading to cancers, tumors, Alzheimer's, prion diseases, you name it. These peptides are specific. 
I am not a snake venom expert, but there's enough research I've seen over the last four months that has covered since 1956. I've covered thousands of documents. I am much more of an expert now than I was. Oh, we're aware the of the thousands. We're hearing right now about venom right now. It is shocking to them. It was shocking to me for the last four months, every hour. Please give yourself some time to just look at the fact that it might be possible and spend four months doing it before you decide to badmouth me that this is some conspiracy thing. Just go look and see if your symptoms can be solved or resolved with those things that inhibit venom. Inhibit venom. I got to, you know, ask you, like, for example, and I'm going to name him because that's what we do. Dr. Urso was all over the place uh, and he was trying to discredit me, trying to discredit the, he called me a snake oil salesman for airing this documentary and then made the claim that you can't synthetically replicate venom. I just went to Amazon and found hundreds of them. Uh, you can buy synthetic venom products all over the place. Why would this Jesuit trained doctor, an eye doctor turned plastic surgeon, be out here just lying on Twitter and telling people, quote, don't watch the water and saying that this whole thing is snake oil and that it's a sham and trying to discredit me, thereby you and this whole theory. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I worried about the fallout from this from the people that I trust and love. And I have and I do. And Richard Urso hasn't said anything personally to me yet, but he's been a dear friend. Actually, during the last four months, I've actually approached Dr. Urso to help me get uh, vaccines, COVID-19 vaccines. So I could test out my theory. Uh, he hasn't been able to do that. He told me he thought he could, but he's never been able to deliver on that. And I just want you to know, it, it doesn't matter to me. I don't know all of his background. I don't know the Jesuit connection or training. I don't know any of that stuff. All I know is I was surprised that uh, he reached out to you or voiced in the media not to not to play the documentary. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I just want you to know if I just said it right before you asked me. I know it's going to be a hard thing to recognize. It was hard for me to conceive how it is anybody on the planet came out with a rule that you had to stand six feet apart and that you had to wear a surgical mask that protects you from a respiratory virus that we all know it doesn't do. We have heard a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> I just want you to know it's going to appear crazy because it's the first time you've conceptually even thought of the idea that venom could be the thing. And Stu, you can attest to this. From the moment you pushed out your telegram thing about the water and the source and that trusted source was me to the moment you pushed the commercial and the teaser, I told you that I even called you each time. And I was like, Stu, the goal here is always to reduce fear and anxiety and panic. What I want everyone to know is that if you just look at what I'm trying to bring to the world is this truth that if you look at COVID-19 as envenomation, I believe we can stop the whole pandemic and any future variants and any future concern of how to treat these people because doctors around the world know how to treat venom. They've had a hard time trying to figure out how to actually handle a virus if you just treat it like venom from a venomous viper snake bite. Look at it like that and then go treat it. You will find you're as, as successful as you have been the whole time with the things you've been using Corticosteroids work against venom. Budesonide, which is corticosteroid, works against venom. Hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, anti-malarials are protective and inhibitory to venom. I just didn't ever know that. Zinc is protective against the detrimental effects of snake venom that depletes zinc from your cells, which causes death and disease. So that's why that's protective. 
NAC is protective against blood clots. Go use them. Please recommend them. Some medical doctors, which I'm not one, will recommend aspirin, which has a similar property as NAC to reduce blood clotting effects, which is a side effect of SARS-CoV-2, which also is a side effect of a ton of venoms. Well, I will say that I've been approached by a whole lot of nurses that have been nursing for a very long time, hundreds of them, in my Telegram and then private messages and text messages from associates of mine who work in emergency departments and have been placed in these, quote, COVID units since the inception of this pandemic, who all tell me everything that you said in that documentary now makes perfect sense. Everything that they have been seeing, the D-dimer, all of that stuff. Uh, and they're like, wow, they're just mind blown. And they're like, yes, this is absolutely, I have no medical argument at all whatsoever to this. We have to keep in mind, there are a lot of doctors, especially in this alternative medicine treatment podcast environment that have made millions of dollars over the last two years treating a virus. They don't want to see that go away. Um, I want to talk about the water, and I know that we only have a few minutes left here. So let's just talk about the water. We've, we've established that this is going to be a less than lethal dose. It's going to be a diluted dose. It's not going to be like what you're going to find in the injections, the repeated injections, the boosters, or in the remdesivir, which is really designed to kill uh, and, and uh, all that. So in the water, do you know how it got into the water in a short two- or three-month time period globally around the world to infect this many people? Well, there's been an orchestrated almost on time planned effort, obviously to look at water as a predictor in all countries or communities in every country around the world. They chose water to be the predictor for all communities to look for future outbreaks in your town. They're looking at water as a predictor for outbreaks of SARS-CoV-2 in multiple countries throughout the UK, throughout France, throughout Wales, throughout the United States this whole time. How is it getting there? If it's in the water and they're finding it in the water, I hope they're filtering it out of the water, but I've never seen anything on the CDC's website about them talking about uh, going at length to remove it out of the water. I'm not sure if it's so dangerous in the water and you're finding it there. What if it's recirculating back into our source water you do drink? Your wastewater becomes source water. They filter out the poop, the bacteria. Uh, I don't know if they're you know, filtering out the SARS-CoV-2 bioweapon that they're testing in the water to be a predictor for future outbreaks in your town. How did it get there? I have been suspicious. This is me. I threw it at you. You asked me, how are they doing this? I said, I actually think they're doing it through the water. Can drinking venom have an infection, have a disease process effect in you? Yes. There was a study done in 2015 with rats. They put cobra venom in water and had them drink it and go read what happened to them. <laughs> Wasn't much different than getting bit. So, do I, I question everything the CDC has done this entire time? And what's interesting is any pushback right now, you're actually saying to me that you trust the CDC, like all of a sudden, and you have it this whole time. The CDC has been doing something with your water, looking for SARS-CoV-2 in your water. Uh, I just want to put this together. It's called the CDC.gov wastewater surveillance. CDC wastewater surveillance means watching. The CDC is watching the water. It's not strange to say the bioweapons in the water. They've been looking for it there and predicting outbreaks from the water for the last two years. My weird suspicion is when I told you this, I said, why would the CDC not let the public know that they were doing water testing for SARS-CoV-2 since January of 2020 
and only letting the public know they were doing it in September of 2020. I mean, that's odd to me. Why didn't you let people know you were, they were looking at the water? Why, why didn't they say? Why didn't they provide the data? It's just an odd thing to me. I haven't trusted the CDC in anything they've said this whole time. I don't, I don't know like why anybody would start. I, I, yeah, I don't know why anybody would. Now? No. Uh, so if it's in the water and that's how it got in the water, is there anything that you would think that people could do to neutralize it to get it out of the water so that their family can consume water without being envenomated? Yeah, this was a question I had actually early on. I was wondering, uh, uh, oh, I just want to write up. This is a eugenics program they are specific, specifically targeting with these bioweapons, those who are sick, ill, elderly, and now going after children. Or Native and Americans. Yeah. Also Native American. They're going after diabetics. Look it up. I didn't even know this. I've said for the last few weeks, they're targeting Native Americans, Hispanics, and Blacks more than anybody else. Native Americans are dying per percent per capita of a race in America more than anybody else since the beginning of COVID in most states. They're also the highest, I didn't know this till the other day, the highest percentage race for diabetes in America. And this weapon, these peptides target diabetics. So anyway, that's just a, a, a grave observation. I'm sorry, Stu, what was your question? Getting it out of the water. Getting it out of the water. I actually wondered this for a long time. There was an interview done yesterday with Mike Adams. And this guy, go look at it on Brideon.tv. He did an interview with a guy who specializes in chlorine dioxide. I can't believe it. He did a whole interview with Mike Adams, Stu. And he said that he's got research to back that chlorine dioxide can neutralize and destroy all aspects of King Cobra venom. How wild is that? And even if you put it in water, it helps to destroy venoms. Well, if, if that's true, no, I, didn't, I didn't do that research. If it is true, chlorine dioxide works. And then he did give some specification, Mike Adams did to me later, that MMS and chlorine dioxide are not identical. So whatever that is, go learn about it. Chlorine dioxide. Go watch the interview with Mike Adams. I, I did not know that. But uh, I would suspect that a few drops of chlorine dioxide in any water would be great. All right. And then finally, I know that we got to run here. Accountability. Okay, a call to action from you. If you were to say that now with this information, we should do anything, uh, which obviously we have to do something, what do we specifically call for? What is your call to action for accountability? Great. Let's see if I'm right. So this is what I said. I've actually tried to get remdesivir for four months. I've had doctors reach out to Gilead to try to get it, pharmacists to try to get it, and they can't get it for me. So Let's call on the world to demand that we get remdesivir from Gilead, run it through some independent labs, just find out if I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, every owner and executive at Gilead Sciences should be thrown in prison. Anthony Fauci for promoting it should be thrown in prison. If it actually comes back that it has any components related to snake venom, which means it's not really an antiviral, it's really venom. That is All a right, really is quick thing that can be done, too. That's not like, well, that's too difficult to do. No, no, that's easy to that do. Worked. Should be done. No, okay, Mike next. Adams, Mike, Adams, Mike, and just, you know, Mike Adams already wrote emails to Gilead yesterday saying that he's got the labs to be able to independently test it, please provide us with samples, and then they'd like to do a Q&A with them about those results. We'll see what they say. That's out there. And then number two, I actually want, and I do know there's been autopsy tissue samples that have been saved from people who died from in hospitals being treated with remdesivir and other drugs. How about you test their tissue samples and look for any of these snake venom peptides or toxins? How about you just do that? And if it shows up positive, then ask yourself, why in these people who died supposedly from a virus in a hospital, why do they have snake venom in them? 
or properties of snake venom that kills people. And then go look at the tissue samples that have been supplied to pathologists like Dr. Ryan Cole. When he's seeing under the slide tissue samples of micro blood clotting, this is a side effect of venom from vipers. These tissues should be evaluated. Those embalmers who are taking out blood samples send off that coagulated blood looking for the destructive components of snake venom. And if it's there and they all got mRNA vaccines, uh, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, Biological E, who creates Corbavax that literally can read Cobravax, all those manufacturers who have been selling and promoting them as antiviral preventatives should all go to prison. And audit the CDC as well. A full oh. audit of the CDC immediately. And any, A much and taller ask. These shots, held mandates, all of them should go to jail. Yeah. Uh, and where's the first elected representative that's going to say, yeah, yeah, we need to investigate this theory. I have heard crickets, nothing but silence from every single person who has sworn an oath and who has come into office, whether elected or selected, to represent their constituencies and to represent the America, the, the Americans. And we can set a standard here, but not one thing, not one peep from anybody in the United States Senate or in the United States Congress regarding a documentary that has been seen nearly three million times is exponentially growing. It's being viewed faster and faster. It's spreading to every corner of this planet right now. And not one comment from anybody in our elected government, not one comment from anybody in the media, but we know why, because they're all funded by Pfizer and BlackRock and Vanguard and the Rothschilds banking systems and the Rockefellers and Klaus Schwab and George Soros and Warren Buffett. These people are all corrupt. Wake up, every single one of them. And Dr. Brian Artis, you are a hero. You have stuck your neck out. You have been the tip of the spear. You knew what was coming behind this. We talked about the massive amount of discrediting that was going to happen to you, the slanderous attacks that were going to happen from the media, from other doctors who've been enriching themselves based on fighting a virus that's been fake the whole time. And I commend you for that. I know what it's like to be the leader, the lion out there. Every once in a while, you have to yawn and you're going to take chinks to your armor and you're going to have to just deal with the cuts and lick your wounds, I guess, if you will. And I'm right there with you, brother, all the way. Thank you for your bravery. Stu, I love you. And I'm going to say this. I just have to th throw this out there real quick. I'm not the only one. I'm okay sticking my neck out. I believe it's been a God-driven thing to protect and prevent innocent deaths from occurring around the world and injuries. That's the only reason why I'm doing it. There is another guy, though, who's really wanting some attention. This guy was ignored, like you're saying we're being ignored by politicians. This guy wrote a letter to the FBI. All he received was a letter back saying, received, thank you. But in June of 2021... There was a guy working in U.S. counterterrorism who trained CIA and FBI agents. He sent the FBI a letter saying SARS-CoV-2 is not a virus, it's envenomation. And he has been completely rejected. No one's talked to him. Go look at him, call him, do interviews with him. He's got research for two years. He says he's got proof that they have been using snake venom peptides to cause the entire pandemic all along. His name is Dr. Tal Braun. I am not the only one. And he wants to be on a stage. Give it to him. Dr. Brian Artis, God bless you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Appreciate you. God bless everybody on the planet. All right. Well, you've been listening to Dr. Brian Artis uh, being uh, interviewed or in a discussion with Stu Peters, uh, Stu Peters podcast. We'll be right back and we'll pick up uh, in our fifth segment. 
right after this. And when you're laughing, oh, you're laughing, when the sun comes shining through, when you're crying, you bring on the rain, stop your sign, won't you be happy again, when you're smiling, keep on smiling, and the world will smile. Sutter County, I'm Courtney Ortega, and I'm running for supervisor. Our government is mismanaged. It's too large and it's too expensive, yet it fails to serve and protect us. The homeless rule our streets. Addiction and overdoses are epidemic. Sutter County COVID policies crushed thousands of lives and businesses. Our rights were violated. Our freedoms were denied. As your supervisor, your freedom and liberty come first. No closing of businesses, no mask mandates, no restriction to homes, no county offices or meetings off limits to you, no favoritism. Everyone gets treated fairly, no ignoring criminal behavior, and no new taxes. If you want honesty and a government that serves you, if you want change, Vote for me on June 7th. This ad was paid for by Courtney Ortega for Supervisor 2022. Creative Light Theater presents the original musical drama, Darkest Before Dawn. The disciples of Jesus struggle to comprehend what is happening to their beloved master. Just when the crowds were acknowledging him with a parade of adulation, throwing palm branches, calling him their Messiah, everything changes. Betrayal and mob conspiracy lead to Jesus being taken into custody and charged with crimes he didn't commit, and then led away to his death. From the Last Supper at Passover, celebrating and laughing with Jesus, to the hill of Golgotha, watching him die, the disciples mourn their unspeakable loss and question everything they've learned over the last three years. Then the promise is fulfilled. Jesus returns from the grave after three days. Darkest Before Dawn is showing Sunday, April 17th through 20th at 7 p.m. nightly at the Embassy Theater at Glad Tidings. Admission is free. There's some very good news on the campus front. Oberlin College, a very left-wing liberal arts college in Ohio, has been ordered to pay $31 million to a bakery uh, in the town uh, of... Um, in the town where the college is, and um, uh, for falsely accusing the bakery of being racist and essentially destroying the bakery's business. Now, all of this goes back to 2016, when apparently some Oberlin students were stealing wine from the bakery. And um, the bakery sort of busted them. Uh, they were arrested. The students later admitted uh, their fault. And yet the college, because the students were black, the college decided to go uh, into full aggression mode 
And what they did was they portrayed the bakery as engaged in racial profiling. So essentially Oberlin said, our students aren't thieves. Uh, you went after them just because they were black. And um, this um, caused the bakery to lose all its business. And, and it's partly because Oberlin acted in very aggressive ways against the bakery. First of all, the Oberlin president, uh, a woman named Carmen Twilly Ambar, um, moved against the bakery and denounced it. The dean of students, Meredith Raimondo, apparently was um, part of massive protests against the bakery and also was handing out flyers saying that the bakery was racist. Pretty much the same with a woman named Tita Reed. Other faculty members got involved. Uh, Oberlin barred purchases from the bakery and uh, an Oberlin official apparently pressured another contractor with the college named Bon Appetit to stop doing business with the bakery. So they essentially destroyed this bakery. And so what did the bakery do? Uh, the bakery went to court and, um, and won. And the initial award was actually $40 million, but now it was later reduced to $25 million plus $6 million in legal fees. So it's, it's terrific. Oberlin now has to cough up $31 million. And by the way, Oberlin appealed uh, to what they thought was a friendly court, then, which is the US Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. And guess what? Uh, the Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the verdict and said, no, no, this is the verdict is just fine and, um, and Oberlin has to pay. Now, what makes this all particularly sickening is that no one at Oberlin has actually apologized. You would think the president of the college would go, well, you know what? Yeah, our students acted badly. They were held accountable. We were wrong to jump the gun. None of that. She's basically dug in. She's uh, t uh, essentially standing by her position. Not a single one of the deans or faculty members who went after the bakery has been in any way reprimanded or held to account. So you've got a college here that doesn't deserve any consideration or any sympathy. Yes, this is a heavy financial uh, price that they have to pay. But not only from their actions in this regrettable episode, but their complete lack of contrition, their complete unwillingness to learn anything from this. I'm quite convinced that if this were to happen all over again, they would do exactly the same thing. Why? Because this is essentially their race-baiting MO. This is how these leftist colleges are now. This is, this is their natural mode of operation, and this is why it's so difficult for them to apologize. An apology isn't just an acknowledgement of error. For them, it's a repudiation of their worldview. It undercuts the premises on which they operate. It undermines the moral code that sustains them. And so, my point to Oberlin is, that you acted very badly, you didn't show a moment of uh, repentance over this, and now you have to pay, and all of us um, are and should be absolutely delighted about it. I hope you enjoyed those two segments. I was fascinated by it. I think it's uh, causing a huge controversy. Uh, but uh, everything about COVID has been controversial uh, because we were delivered a complete lie from the very beginning. And the government continues to lie to cover their tracks. And so we're going to do our best to expose that. I want to go up here and, and give some thanks for some people that are helping us. And uh, one of the newest folks is 
Allen's Auto Body, and everybody's had a bump or a grind on their car. Their car got in a fight at some time or another. And so Allen's Auto Body where I, is where I go get my car fixed. And my car had uh, attempted to kiss a big rig here recently and got the fr- front end of it all black and blue. So they, uh, Kevin and, and Carrie Clark uh, and their son and others are over there working. And they, they always put my car back together. And I don't want to buy a new car. I just want to keep my car running. And they made it brand new. They fixed the front. And it just looked like it looked like it came off the showroom. Better than when I first bought it, actually, when I bought it as a used car. So if you want uh, you want to get your car fixed by some really cool people that do a great job, check out uh, Carrie and Kevin Clark at Allen's Auto Body, 530-671-1057. 530-671-1057. They're located in Yuba City at the corner of Tea Garden and Sutter Streets. Really easy to find, really easy right between the 10th and 5th Street Bridges. Also want to mention All Power Services. Those guys have really gotten busy. Josh James and Will Fanning, they are Mr. Fix-It and Mr. Nice Guys. So they take your your all your broken parts and, you know, they put Humpty Dumpty back together again, whether it's a chainsaw, any kind of motorized tool or vehicle, motorcycle, off-road, trucks, cars, motors, off motorboats. All that stuff. They also do custom weld, welding and fabrication. So you want to make you got something to imagine that you want to put on the back of your truck or build something around your house. They can put it together for you. All Power Services is what they're called at five three zero eight four four zero three four seven five three zero eight four four zero three four seven. You can reach them by email at All Power fourteen sixty nine, which is their address number fourteen sixty nine All Power fourteen sixty nine at gmail dot com. And that stands for 1469 Stewart Road in Yuba City. Very easy to get to. And they are on it. They get stuff done. And uh, so let me also mention Dr. Cassidy, who is our connect. Uh, We're communicating right now. Today we were about a lady that needs to get off the streets. She's living on the streets. And she is uh, an addict. And she needs to detox. And and he is working, going to be working with her. Every week we're getting multiple people calling us, so I want to give you some phone numbers. If, if you have people you care about, want to get them off the street because of their drugs and get them into a rehab or get them in to get some medication for that uh, addiction problem, uh, we can help you and we'll, we'll fast-track you. So one place to start is not with the government but with uh, Peachtree Health. And call them at 530-749-3242. 749-3242 and uh, if, if it's difficult getting through the um, the system which it is hard uh, just once you get a live person try to try to get to a live person as fast as you can and just ask for an appointment with Dr. Cassidy and uh, if there's any hitch in to get along I'm going to give you his direct cell number do not call him he's busy text him text him your number just tell him you have addiction issues uh, same way, if you talk to somebody at the front end of Peachtree Health, just tell them they ask why you need to see Dr. Cassidy. Just say addiction. That should do it. But Dr. Cassidy's direct number is 530-682-8648, and my number, in case all else fails and you need a little extra help, 
You can dial me up and you can talk to me at 530-713-1838, 713-1838. So uh, don't hesitate. You can text or call me. Be happy to help. And Dr. Cassidy and I tag team. I do some logistics work and he does the medical work. So uh, there's no reason if you if it's time for you to make a change if you want to if you want to get get your life back we will help you do that and uh, just up the street just you can almost see the two buildings from each other from Allen's Auto Body is Nellie Garcia at North Valley Paralegal at 751 Sutter Street she's just up she's just north of uh, Allen's Auto Body 751 Sutter Street. She is the go-to lady in town for legal work. And a lot of attorneys, when they're overwhelmed or they're going to go on vacation or they're going to close their office and retire, they turn a lot of their accounts and a lot of their business over to Nellie Garcia at North Valley Paralegal. So she's fast, she's good, she's better, and she's cheaper than the average attorney. And uh, get her away while you can while she's uh, still doing paralegal and not a full-blown attorney. But uh, she will do your work for you. 530-751-9289-751-9289. Again, right on Sutter Street. Easy to get to from either Yuba or Sutter County. But she'll work for you wherever you are uh, in the world. And she will help you uh, get your legal stuff squared away. And let me give you one more. And that's Thrifty Rooter. <clears throat> Thrifty Rooter's been around for over 40 years. They're, they're almost, they're going to hang in there till they get to 50 years. I know it. And uh, they do all kinds of plumbing including they have the big rigs where if you need a septic system pumped, uh, they can handle that. So uh, you can look at their website, which is easy to connect with. Uh, Thrifty Rooter, not .com, not .us, uh, not .org. It's thriftyrooter.net. Just think of a fishing net, thriftyrooter.net. And uh, right on there, there's all the menu of services they provide. They can send a film crew down your pipes and look in the inside and tell you exactly what's going on down there so you're not guessing. No one's predicting something that's not there. They're going to tell you exactly. ThriftyRooter.net, and you can order your services right off the Internet. You can send them a message, type it all out for them, very simple. Um, or you could just dial them up homeschool or uh, old school, 530 530- 673-8201 673-8201 you can dial them up there they got dispatchers waiting for your call wanting to make you happy and take the pressure off so that's thrifty rooter they're all over the all over the north state actually they're they're bigger than you sutter counties so give them a call and you don't stay in business for over 40 years by goofing off these people have dialed it in and they they treat people nice in fact i was out at a doctor's house picking up some stuff for a guy we were trying to help on the street. And there was Thrifty Rooter out there helping him. And they were like getting along great with him and solving his problem. So that's, that's the key, right? Solving the problem. I wanted to uh, go right back down here and talk about, let's see, what was it I was going to talk to you about? Cause we're a little short on time because I jammed those clips in today. And I wanted to talk about the anti-lockdown states. You know, most of the states in the United States locked their state down. It's certainly every state that had a Democrat governor, okay? And so there's been all kinds of research done on, well, how, how good did that go? Were they locked down like where I am in California? We were one of the most severe lockdown states for the longest. In fact, they still haven't uh, undone the state of emergency you know, in California. 
So, uh, so there's all kinds of research done on the impact. They've looked at the health of the, of the people. They've looked at the economy. And w- what was the impact? Was it really successful? Because the pitch we were given is we needed to lock down, remember, for two weeks. And here we are over two years. We're into our third year now. And they lied to us. They deceived us. These are the, the people that claim to be the brightest people in the world. And they ripped us off. And um, so... Um, the article says freedom-loving states like Florida and South Dakota, that's where uh, Ron DeSantis is and uh, Christy Noem are the governors. They, Florida and South Dakota perform significantly better than states like New York and California, which impose harsh lockdown restrictions in terms of health, economy, education. According, do you realize that these states didn't uh, – South Dakota did not shut down their schools? Do you realize that? In fact, one of my good friend, my teacher's friends left here because they were forcing him to take the jab or test every day. And um, he moved to South Dakota and got a house, just picked up and left. Said the working paper published by the National Bureau of Economic Research took those three factors and combined them to come up with a composite score and an overall rank. What three factors? Economy, health and education. Okay. A final report card on the state's response to COVID-19 was written by Casey Mulligan, professor in economics at the University of Chicago, Phil Kirpin, president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, and Stephen Moore of the Heritage Foundation. Uh, The authors tracked unemployment and and gross domestic product, that's your output, by each state, as well as the percentage of schools that stayed open in 2020 and 2021. In terms of health, they looked at COVID-associated deaths, reported by the CDC, and all cause of excess mortality, okay? And then they put it on a graph, which is really cool. It says, like numerous other studies, the authors found no relationship between lockdowns uh, and health outcomes. If anything, there was a slight correlation between remaining open and lower, lower mortality. Do you understand? Freedom and lower mortality, said Will Jones. Top performing states were Utah, Nebraska, and Vermont, followed by six other states, including Florida and South Dakota, uh, proving that Americans were keen on fleeing restricted heavy states, restriction-heavy states. The four states with the highest net outward migration, in other words, people leaving, were Washington, D.C., New York, Illinois, and California, all of which featured in the bottom six of all the rankings, the overall rankings. Um Another weight in the another weighty nail in the lockdown coffin, according to Jones, uh, though lockdown proponents seem very slow in accepting it. As we previously highlighted, they say a study by the renowned John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University, concluded that global lockdowns have had a much more detrimental detrimental impact on society than they have produced any benefit, with researchers urging that they are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. Now, the two groups of supervisors in Yuba and Sutter County have voted, nine out of ten of the supervisors voted to retain a person that did the most egregious lockdowns in the United States of America. That says to me that the next time it's going to happen again, when it happens again, they will do it again because they are basically endorsing her uh, errant errant ways 
and her fraud that she perpetrated on the people of Yuba and Sutter counties. What that means is since if you think that they, this COVID-19 thing is a novel thing that will never happen again, you have another thing coming. Unless you're willing to take our counties back or wherever your county is, take your county back. And that's replace the people that are controlling your county, which are the Board of Supervisors. They can hire and fire all those people under them except the sheriff. Unless you're willing to replace the supervisors, uh, you're going to end up with the same lockdown. This lockdown thing is going to be used over and over and over again because politicians love it. And they have hacks like Dr. Lou, Dr. Fong Lou, and they have these health officers in 58 counties. And these uh, all over the world, this isn't like an iffy thing. This isn't debatable. These lockdowns had a severe detrimental impact. In fact, there's another clip by a psychiatrist in Southern California that I, I couldn't fit in this time who said, we have no idea. He said, what I know is that the lockdowns were, had a huge damage on children. He said, we'll never know until they get older on the type of impact and the type of the way they've shaped their brains and being uh, risk averse. Uh, we'll never know until years go by and we're able to study them. But that's what's going on, and, and I'm telling you that the people who support same old same on Yuba Sutter counties are going to get subjected to the same type of thing. They will shut your businesses down. They will tell you you have to go home. When, you know, thousands of people were told they had to go home from work, and they weren't even sick. And they called it, oh, well, somebody tested positive, but they were asymptomatic. That means they didn't have the illness. You understand that? If you don't have any symptoms, you don't have the illness. That's asymptomatic. And they sent huge groups of people. I know because I walked in on businesses. I was trying to do business. And they said, Lou, I said, where is everybody? They said, half, Dr. Lou sent half our group home because somebody tested positive or somebody was sick with COVID. So everybody else had to go home. Listen, that destroys our economy. That destroys people's lives. And uh, that's what your supervisors have endorsed. They endorsed her for two years, and now they have endorsed her once again, except for uh, the representative for the Oliverst and part of Linda area named Seth Fuhrer uh, for the Yuba County Supervisor. The rest of them are just go along to get along, boys. Uh, they can't find their leadership rear with both hands. Um, okay. So let me pop back up here. Um, all right. We got a few minutes left. Let me just give a shout out. Oh, I, I need to mention this. Uh, there's been this group in the Yuba Sutter area or the Sutter Yuba area, however you want to say it, called the Sutter Yuba Republican Women. Uh, they've done great work over the years. And now they're trying to uh, replenish their troops and revise and bring in a lot of fresh horses, a lot of fresh women that are younger that are going to carry the torch into the future. And so they're they're fired up their meetings. They're going to have monthly meetings, whether they have them at lunchtime or dinner time. Uh, it's up, up up to the future decision makers. But there's going to be an all Sutter County candidates um, luncheon coming up on the 21st of April. That's this coming week, and. Um, yeah, that's this coming week, and it will be at 1130, and it's $20 for a luncheon, 
and it's a good luncheon. It's a buffet luncheon. I've been there before. And it's located at 210 Julie Drive in Yuba City. That's right off Clark Avenue, across from the street, across the street from St. Edward's Catholic Church. You can't miss that big campus there. And it's around the back of the hill, what we know as Hillcrest Plaza, 210 Julie Drive. So uh, if you want to get a seat, uh, call Liz at 530-632-6195. Let me give it to you again, 532-632-6195. You can text that number as well to reserve lunch. So they need to get a count, and so they're not going to be short of food. So uh, it's all candidates, all the Sutter candidates, uh, county candidates have been invited to uh, give a talk. So they'll brief and be brief and amazing, and you'll get a, a chance to maybe ask them a few questions. It's called the Sutter Yuba Republican Women Luncheon, Women's Luncheon, and uh, they're encouraging if if you're a female and you want to become part of that, uh, man, you're you are welcome. You should just come. I don't care what age you are. You may just be finishing high school. Maybe you're still in high school. You can go. It's at lunchtime, and if you could break away or college age, whatever, or maybe you're out there and you have a young family you're starting, but you want to have, you, you're concerned about the uh, the future and the direction of our two counties, this is the way to get involved. We need to get good candidates, vet them, question them, challenge them, hold their feet to the fire. That's what it's all about. Okay, so I want to also mention that my friend Randy Mitchell, who owns Uppercuts Barbershop, has a warrant out for his arrest. First, he uh, refused to shut his shops in um, some of his shops in the Yuba Sutter area. And uh, first, the Marysville police tried to arrest him. And the district attorney, Clint Curry, would not prosecute a person that wanted to cut hair while COVID was happening. And uh, But up in Placer County, they are aggressively coming after him, and they have a warrant for his arrest. He has a he started a shop up in Placer County. Actually, it's uh, right on the border of Roseville and Rockland, and just down the street from the courthouse, I think. And he's had a barber shop there, but now they're expanding into a full cosmetology salon, the whole thing. And the uh, county supervisors are going to punish him for staying open during COVID, and uh, so. He has uh, showed. He sent me a copy of the letter. It's a warrant for his arrest, and to come to court, and to do business with the supervisors, who are wanting to fine him and tell him that he has to have a license to work. Now, the Constitution of, of uh, <coughs> our country does not say. It says that we have a right to go to work and pursue our happiness, and that we don't have to pay uh, a bribe. To the government to be able to work we shouldn't have to pay for a license to work we should be able to just go to work start our own businesses and you think well everybody else has got to get a license just because everybody else is getting a license doesn't mean everybody should it's just that's been the habit and just like where we've given up our freedom it's just like on concealed weapons permit there's nothing in the constitution that says you have to ask the sheriff permission to carry a gun that may seem strange to you, but that's how uh, propagandized and deluded you are. So our friend Randy Mitchell is under the pressure. He's had consumer affairs raid his shops. He's got five shops, and uh, now th now this has happened. So uh, we're going to take a break right now and uh, come back for our last segment. Just another day that the
Politicians for infanticide? Really? I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. Californians with an intact conscience are shocked about a Democrat bill in the state legislature that would permit the killing of newborn babies days or even weeks after birth. AB 2223 would shield a mother from civil and criminal charges for any, quote, acts or omissions related to her pregnancy, quote, including perinatal death. By permitting perinatal deaths, this means permitting killings of newborns up to a month after birth. What's more, AB 2223 would ensure these murders by penalizing any police that investigate. This pro-infanticide Democrat bill has passed its first Democrat-controlled committee. See more at SaveCalifornia.com, championing your values in California. Meet your new Supreme Court judge, Ketanji Jackson. In every single case involving child pornography, Judge Ketanji Jackson has been lenient and openly sympathetic with the perpetrators of child rape pornography. Christopher Michael Downs openly bragged about molesting his 13-year-old cousin. He was arrested for trading videos of child rape, including children as young as two years old, Judge Jackson gave him the absolute bare minimum sentence. Ryan Manning Cooper was arrested for having more than 600 images involving the rape and torture of children, including infants and toddlers, which is why the prosecutors made it clear that the case was on the more egregious or extreme spectrum. But Judge Jackson disagreed and ruled that distributing images of infants and toddlers being raped is not especially egregious. Wesley Keith Hawkins posted videos of 11-year-old boys being raped by men. Jackson only gave him three months, sent him to a low-security prison, arranged for special protections, and apologized to him, telling him that she feels so sorry for him and his family and for the anguish that this has caused all of them. In explaining her light sentence, Judge Jackson argued for the child pornographer's future potential. Six years later, he was arrested again for distributing child rape porn, and Jackson resentenced him to only six months in a residential reentry center. Neil Alexander Stewart was arrested with hundreds of images and videos of child rape while trying to procure children between the ages of five and 11 to rape them. Judge Jackson admitted that the felon was likely to reoffend, but still gave a light sentence arguing that the current recommendations for child sex offenders is outdated and substantially flawed. Three years later, Stewart reoffended. This is how Judge Jackson got her start. In 2009, President Obama nominated her to vice chair the U.S. Sentencing Commission, where she helped weaken federal sentencing policy for child pornographers by arguing that child pornographers are not pedophiles which is similar to how Hillary Clinton got her start when she defended a group of men who violently gang-raped a child and later joked how she knew they were guilty. It's also very interesting that when the biggest pedophile scandal in history broke, Judge Jackson was there. After WikiLeaks released the Podesta emails, millions of people were asking questions 
about a strange coded language being used between President Obama, Hillary Clinton, and their friends. A code that seemed to reflect what the FBI says is secret code for pedophiles. The whole sordid mess became known as Pizzagate, and when the Fed's cleanup operation ended up in the courts, Judge Ketanji Jackson was there to help tidy it all up. I'm sure this is all just a coincidence. Just like it was a coincidence that the world's most infamous pedophile blackmail artist killed himself in jail while the guards were surfing the internet. And just like it's a coincidence that Congress has paid out millions of dollars in court settlements that involve sexual assault. In some parallel universe, there may be an earth that protects its children from pedophiles and other child predators, but not this one. On this earth, we pay them taxes and sacrifice our children to them. So I was talking about Randy Mitchell. Randy's been in business. I think he's been cutting hair for 17 years. And uh, the uh, Consumer Affairs, which uh, rules over all the cosmetology people and all these licenses. You know that you can go to states and they don't even you, – you, maybe you have to get a license to work here for a particular business in California. You can go to another state and they don't have it. You can just – they don't even offer a license to buy. And all that is is control and manipulation and a money another money flow for the state of California. They've just continued to control people and take away their freedom. And so Randy is encouraging cosmetologists and barbers all over the state of California to to not renew their license and to set themselves free. And the Consumer Affairs is going to fight them and try to run them out of business. So now we have the courts involved up in Placer County, and they're going to try, t- try to take and shut uh, Randy Mitchell's shop down in Placer County. Now, he's also involved up in uh, Butte County. He's got a, a place in Chico. He's got a place in the Yuba City Mall. Uh, he's got a place in Wheatland, California, and also uh, Marysville, California, which was his uh, was sort of the hub barbershop that he got started in. The nice thing is that we had we had two sheriffs in Yuba and Sutter County that would not pro- would not go after COVID, what we call COVID violations. They're not. And, and so uh, Randy Mitchell, because he had about 40 workers and affecting over 100 uh, children and spouses, he said he wasn't going to shut down the same way as other businesses said the same thing. But they've targeted Randy Mitchell and uh, and he is going to stand up and fight the same way that uh, Jeanette Waldo, who is the uh, the owner of Apple Bistro, uh, up in uh, 2740 Highway 50, Placerville, California, the El Dorado supervisors and the government of El Dorado County is is running her completely out of business. She's been in business there for over two years and just started to be successful when COVID started. And uh, or I guess she was in business for a couple of years and then COVID started. So she just said, I cannot shut down. I'm going to go broke. And so she stayed open. And because of that, they are punishing her. They've got over $160,000 in fines against her. And finally, the the uh, court said that she could not stay in business. Now, is that corrupt or what? Where a, a court says that you cannot cook and feed people and be paid for it. 
That is criminal, people. That is not the United States of America. That's Vietnam. That's China. Uh, that is corrupt. And we're seeing that in certain counties around the state. Now, I don't know whether that's happening in Nevada County. I know they've been fighting up there. I know there's a lawsuit in Nevada County, which is just to the west of Euban Sutter. So we have Placer County and we have El Dorado County that are hammering, still hammering businesses after the masks are all coming off and people are back to business. And the question is, the question is, should businesses have to get a license? And my contention is absolutely not. Uh, we should not have to pay. It's like it's, you know, if you watch any of the old mafia movies, you, a gal's working, she's got a little bakery or they got a little uh, vegetable stand and they come in and the two mafia gangsters come in and they said, hey, uh, you know, we'd we'd like to provide you pr protection and we'd like you to pay us money and for protection. And they said, we re really don't need any protection. And then they break your window and rough up the front of your building. And they said, well, do you think maybe maybe you'd like some protection now? And so then that's the way the government works. They come in and roust you. They cut off your power. They cut off your water. Uh, they they tell lies to the media about you and destroy your business that you've worked and you put your whole whole heart into. So uh, pray for Randy Mitchell. Pray for uh, Jeanette Waldo. And uh, if you want to get in touch with them, call them up, encourage them, send them a letter, send them some cash. They're going to need some some help to fight this. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. So I want to mention a couple of the other places that are supporting us. We're into our last segment here. We had a I played a couple long clips, but I think they're they're timely clips and they're cutting edge clips. They're so cutting edge that you're probably not going to think they're true. But I'll tell you, just like you thought the COVID baloney was true to put on a mask, wash your hands incessantly and all that nonsense, six feet apart. You can stand up. You have to wear a mask, but you can sit down at a table and eat. You can drink a Pepsi and take off the mask. You can eat a peanut on a plane, take off the mask. But, but between that, if you don't put the mask on, they'll throw you off the plane. You talk about total nonsense, people, uh, as you heard with uh, Senator Cruz. So other people that have, uh, that have been helping us is a plumbing doctor, uh, Ted Holmes. I'm just on the phone. We're working on the E Street project a volunteer project 612 e in marysville rehab in that building it's really looking nice we got a, another work day saturday we got a few people working during the week it's a big old building lots of work to do on it but it's going to be really beautiful but plumbing doctor if you need some plumbing help uh, they will come out 24 hours a day yuba sutter counties dial 530-671-9111 that's 530-671-9111 and they have dispatchers that are just hungering to help you just sitting there waiting to jump on your plumbing project and fix it so you can go on about your business. Then Dave Greenitz is going to be over there a Saturday working as well. Dave Greenitz Construction, they, they have uh, made themselves an amazing reputation over the last over 40 years. Uh, and, and the last, I don't know whether it's been all 40, but the last seems like 15 or 20 they've been doing kitchens and baths kitchens and baths kitchens and baths and just coming up with they that's their sweet spot and uh, they do other remodeling they've built decks they put in whole house fans they've done front entry ways but uh, the teams the crews they have a number of crews and a great team of um, subcontractors that are also helping us at the east street project and uh, so you can reach Dave Greenitz at greenitzconstruction.com. Look up his website. You can see the before and after photos of their good work. 
and that's the, just like the color green with ETZ on the end, greenitzconstruction.com, or you could go to the Facebook page at Dave Greenitz Construction. That's just your Facebook, and you can reach them off those platforms. You can look at the before and after. That's a lot better than me trying to tell you about amazing kitchens and baths. Um, or you could call them up old school at 530-682-9602, or you can text them at that same number, 682 9602. Tell them Lou sent him. You sent you, he might even give you a deadhead discount. He used to follow the Grateful Dead when he was a teenager. Uh, also, I wanted to mention um, Elite Universal Security. I'm telling you, it's been crazy in Marysville lately. And uh, I had to call the police at the E Street project yesterday. A guy came up, got on the porch, and would not leave and claimed he owned the place. Now, that seems to be a mentally ill situation i've had people come and do that right at my house people have called me said hey lou there's a lady sitting on your front porch having a smoke and i said oh do you know her and they said no but she's claiming she owns a place so different times she would show up and just take over and water the yard start doing some chores around the yard like it was her spot and we got people all over marysville that are out of their minds i i feel bad about it i'm not making fun of it but they're they're just not uh homeless they are out of their minds and the drugs today, the, the meth ain't the meth of, uh, that it used to be. It's dry, it's knocking people totally into another universe. And they, they, aren't even, they don't even act like human beings anymore. And uh, so we had to run people off over there yesterday. We had to, it just, it's become, it's a security nightmare. So uh, this is the time when security is a great need and you can, you can get some help. Because the police aren't always going to be around. There aren't enough law enforcement uh, on on these shifts to provide help in all the neighborhoods. So Elite Universal Security, they've been around for many, many years. Uh, it's a veteran-run business. And you can reach them at 530-749-0280. I just heard that uh, out at Church of Glad Tidings, people broke into two of our big rigs, 53-foot truckloads of stuff, stole a bunch of stuff out. Right under the cameras, they had it all time. They were in and out in ten minutes. And Sutter County, they're great people. We love the sheriff's deputies. They, there's no way that they can provide sheriff service uh, and protect us out there. And and so, Elite Universal Security can provide help for farms, government businesses, your residents, and they have all kinds of unique techniques about monitoring places with technology now. So Monty Hecker is the guy to get a hold of at 530-749-0280. They're also looking for businesses, uh, looking for workers. All these people that, that work for me uh, and that uh, help me with this project here, Plumbing Doctor, Thrifty Rooter, Elite Universal Security, all looking for good workers. And uh, even, even North Valley Paralegal, if you're a real sharp person, they will train you over there. Uh, but if you just want to work part-time for uh, even Lee Universal Security, they will they will take you on. You may be retired and you think, man, prices are really going up. Gas prices are killing me. I need to take a little, you know, I'm, I need to wait 15 hours, 20 hours a week. Uh, they will take you on. And you don't have to be a Uber Sutter County resident. They are working in multiple counties throughout Northern California. So check it out. If you need a, a concealed weapons permit, they can dial that in. They can get it for you. They can teach you, do the teaching. They can train you out on the range. They got their own range. These boys can get it done. So give them a shout. And those are the ones that the folks that are making it happen for this show and the uh, 
Live with Lou, which is our live show. Live with Lou, we call it. This is uh, No Hostages Radio. So I want to uh, talk about the uh, corruption in our prosecutors. And uh, uh, different people, devious people among us, George Soros. In fact, his brother uh, uh, was the uh, person that helped Dr. Lou come to this country and get her education not come to the country but get her education and these people are trying to change our nation from a uh, a free nation a uh, republic a demo- democracy democratic republic and capitalism to socialism and that's george soros and his brother his brother died a few years ago and his his uh, foundation the soros foundation continues on um today and so George Soros uh, came up with this idea. I'm trying to find the article. I'm getting close. Came up with this idea of hiring or uh, backing certain candidates that would quit punishing or quit prosecuting many crimes. And so um, they went around the 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 United States, and the, they mainly focused on big cities, Chicago, San Francisco, New York, L.A., um, all these big cities. And uh, let me see. Okay, I'm just one one deal away. So what they did is they they funded the campaigns. You know how hard it is when you run for office. you got to go out and ask people for money. And most of my friends who wanted to be district attorney or a judge – or a, or a sheriff hated campaigning, and they didn't want to ask people for money. They thought it was weird, but they went ahead and did it, and they made it through it. So Soros, a, a number of his district attorneys are failing, and and he uh, he backed a lady named Kim Gardner, who was the—they call her the St. Louis Circuit Attorney. That's the district attorney, Kim Gardner, G-A-R-D. N-E-R, Gardner. Uh, she was funded and uh, supported by Soros. She, she admitted uh, she won, and then she got in trouble. So now she's admitted wrongdoing um, in her handling of the prosecution of former Mi- Missouri governor. Uh, and, it, and his name is, uh, oh, come on here. He's Eric Greitens. G-R-E-I-T-E-N-S. He was, he was the uh, Missouri governor at one time, and currently he's running for Senate. So Gardner acknowledged she finally, she was outed. They fa- figured it out. She acknowledged that she failed to disclose evidentiary documents to Greitens legal team, which she claimed had been provided to Greitens lawyers in the 2018 criminal case. So she filed a criminal case to take Greitens down. And it sounds like it worked. Specifically, Gardner omitted a video recording and notes from a meeting she and her investigator, William Tisby, conducted with Greitens' mistress. Uh, They withheld evidence, or the withheld evidence, hindered Greitens' ability to defend himself. In other words, uh, the way this works in court uh, is that the prosecution and the defense has to share the information that they have and they can't hold out information as exclusive to the other one in an agreement with the missouri office of disciplinary counsel gardner acknowledged her conduct was negligent 
or perhaps reckless, but not intentional. Uh, Greitens celebrated the agreement as full as a full exoneration and vindication. In other words, they prosecuted and got a prosecution on it. Now, this is happening. Uh, abusive prosecution is happening all over this country. And uh, it's happening a lot with uh, crazy stuff is happening with Soros attorneys. And many of them aren't even aren't even prosecuting what we normally would prosecute to keep people keep uh, things in check in these communities. But I don't want to get sidetracked. I want to stay with this. Greitens. Greitens celebrated the agreement as full exoneration of vindication. He said today's groundbreaking decision reaffirms what we've known all along that Soros funded prosecutor Kim Garner conducted a political witch hunt on him. Due to overwhelmed, overwhelming evidence and over 70 perjury charges against the district attorney, 70 perjury charges, Garner today admitted to wrongdoing and said it was a mistake on my part, uh, according to Greitens. From hiring former FBI agent William Tisby, who was her investigator, who just pled guilty. See this? I'm telling you, FBI agents are a lot of them are dirty. Not all FBI people. They got like twenty or thirty thousand employees, and I had one of them that worked for me as a volunteer with trauma intervention, and she wouldn't ever do anything wrong. She's a very fine woman, and uh, but and I met some. I've met some great agents. However, there's craziness going on in the FBI, and there's corruption up and down the line. Says so. She hired former FBI agent William Tisby who just also pled guilty to evidence tampering, to lying and engaging in a cover-up to conceal her misconduct. He was covering for her. Gardner is the worst type, according to Greitens, and he should feel this way. He says, Kim Gardner, Garner is the worst type of public official, corrupt and crooked. So then Missouri Governor Eric Greitens uh, Anyway, Greitens' vindication, this is so interesting to me. This is a huge case. His vindication comes as he fights off further allegations of misconduct between him and his ex-wife. So the guy was having a problem with his ex, with his wife, and they separated. And uh, so, but he's, what we find, and this is, I don't know whether you remember the uh, Luke D Duke lacrosse case. And that's where uh, I believe that guy's name was Nifong, and he lost his law license. He was a prosecutor, and he made up evidence, and he prosecuted, and he he went after these kids and the the uh, the woman that was accusing these young athletes was a liar, and it and finally her her case fell fell apart and uh, Nifong then was prosecuted and lost his law license and and uh, lost his lost his job and that this same type of abuse in fact Sidney Powell uh, who has been fighting for President Trump has written a book or two about this over aggressive criminal prosecution uh, of these DAs and, and even uh, United States prosecutors as well and uh, okay, so I'm going to let that go. We got just a, a little over a minute left. Um, let's see what I can just touch on here. What we're finding out is uh, Fauci is finally admitting that uh, they're not going to be able to stop COVID. Did you know that? 
You remember, uh, they, we've been lied to from the very beginning. First, it's going to be two weeks. If you just did all, just give up all your freedoms, it's just going to be two weeks. And then, uh, then it, it went a month, two months, three months, four months, five months, six months, eight months. Then we're going to have a shot, and that's going to stop COVID dead in its crack. Now they're knowing that now they know or they're admitting that the people that are getting the sickest have been injected, right? And because it's a bad, it's bad juju. And so uh, the majority of people going to the hospital right now are all injected and they keep now the pharmaceutical companies have seen the profits and they just are coming up with one new a product after another, a pill, a jab, a boost. Uh, this is boost, 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 pill, 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 because they want us to live on that stuff. Listen, God gave us a, a wonderful immunity system. If we take care of our bodies, if we eat well, if we exercise uh, we do not need jabbed all the time. It's a lie. It's a, it's a hustle to get us to pay a lot of money to pharmaceuticals. You can be old and healthy, and you won't be on all these pills, pills, pills all the time if you take care of yourself. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, do something to make a difference. Vote for my friend Courtney Ortega against... Uh, and vote for Eric Malo against Andy Vasquez. Vote for Courtney Ortega against uh, Dan <coughs> Flores. Good night. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, 